Which one? No reason why. Which one? The one up in the aisle? Yeah, in the aisle. Okay. As a, Thank you. As a resident, you can come at the end of these Hello, hello, hello. I have just been notified that we do have a quorum. So if we all could be seated, we can let the party get started. We all look very bland. Just so everyone understands, a quorum, the requirement is that we have 100 people in the hall at the time, 100 voters, and uh, that is the number that we have reached so far. For those of you that are new to the town meeting process, we will go through each article until all articles have been presented and voted upon or until we reach the hour of 10 p.m. The article on the floor will be completed before the adjournment. At this time, I ask that we all rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. At this time, I'd like to acknowledge that uh, as a community, we've lost members of this community over the past year. And I ask for a moment of silence in honor of those individuals that we've lost. Thank you. I have some introductory comments. They won't be very long. This meeting is a, a culmination of many meetings and many hours of hard work by members of the administration, boards, committees, and commissions. This is your meeting. My job is to make sure we go through all the articles of the warrant in an orderly fashion and that debate and discussion is fair and balanced. I ask at this time, if you have a mobile phone, please silence that phone, or there will be a 25% increase in your taxes. Please wait to be recognized before speaking from the floor. And I ask that you use the microphones that are in either aisle, and you identify yourself by your name and your address. While we may not agree on every subject, it's important to remember that we all live in the same community and will continue to do so after this meeting. For those of you that are new to town meeting, there's a good resource put together by the Office of the Secretary of the Commonwealth. It's called Citizen's Guide to Town Meetings, and it's available on the Northborough Town website. Are there any people here this evening that are new to the town meeting process? First of all, thank you. And welcome. Let's do a practice vote. Okay, you all were given, when you checked in, 
your voter's card. And I will ask the following question. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed, there's always someone. <laughs> also, to let you know, we do have tellers here in the unlikely event that we are unable to determine what the vote is. I will ask the tellers to do a count. If we do a teller count, and I ask you to keep your cards up, please keep your cards high so they can be counted, okay? At this time, I'd like to introduce some of the people in the front, at the front table. Um, we have town council, the board of selectmen, the town administrator, the assistant town administrator, the town clerk is nice enough to be up here with me. That's nice. And uh, soon we may have a deputy moderator once we, we complete that vote. The appropriations committee is here, as well as the financial planning committee, Northborough School Committee, Regional School Committee, and the Assabet Valley School Committee are represented this evening. At this time, I will read the information about the posting of the warrant, where it was posted, and uh, the official um, document that, that uh, mentions that. From the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Worcester, to either, the, either of the constables of the town of Northborough and said county, greetings in the name of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, you are hereby commanded to warn and notify the legal voters of the town of Northborough to meet at Algonquin Regional High School, 79 Bartlett Street, in said town on Monday, April the 25th, in the year 2022, at 6 p.m., to act upon the following articles of the town meeting warrant. Hereof fail not, and make due return of this warrant by your doings thereon to the town clerk at or before the time of the meeting aforementioned. Given under our hands at Northborough on Monday, this 28th day of March in the year 2022, and it's signed by the Board of Selectmen and attested to by the town clerk. And uh, at this time, I will read the entire warrant word for word. <laughs> so that we are all aware. <laughs> Somebody stop me. Moderator? <laughs> yes? I move to waive the reading of the warrant. The motion has been made to waive the reading of the warrant. And there is a second. All those in favor of waiving the reading of the warrant, please raise your cards. Oh my goodness, I got saved again. Okay, at this time we're, we're moving into the warrant and uh, there is a, at the very beginning of your book, uh, consent agenda for the annual town meeting. 
And what that means is for a number of articles that are fairly straightforward articles that are not controversial in any way, shape, or form, we have combined them together for the uh, benefit of saving some time and, uh, and being able to go through uh, the warrant uh, in a more rapid pace. The consent, the consent agenda includes Article 1, the appointment of a deputy moderator, and uh, Article 2, authorize compensating balance agreements. And once again, these are agreements that have taken place over the years and fairly straightforward there. Article 3, prior year's bills. There are no prior year's bills this year, so that article will be passed over. And Article 9, authorize revolving fund limits for FY 2023. And this is a housekeeping article that sets expenditure limits for special funds. How the consent our, uh, agenda works is I've read down through all these. I will mention them once again. If someone has concern or wishes to discuss further, they just can stand up and say hold, and we will discuss that further. At this time, I'm going to read off the articles. Article 1, appoint deputy moderator. Article 2, authorize compensating balance agreements. Article 3, prior year's bills. And that will be passed over. And Article 9, reauthorize revolving fund limits for FY 2023. I did not hear a hold at any time. So at this time, we will uh, have a vote on the articles that have been discussed all together and uh, go forward from there. All those in favor of accepting the consent agenda, please raise your cards. Those opposed? The article has passed, or the agenda has passed. Mr. Jerry Hickman, deputy moderator, you made it through again. <laughs> Mr. Moderator, before we proceed, we have some acknowledgments for uh, board committee members of past service that uh, okay. uh, Vice Chair Leslie Rattan from the Board of Selectmen would like to present. Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for being here. Nice of you to take the time to be here and take part in your, in your local government. We really appreciate that very, very much. One of the things, I'm Leslie Rutan, by the way, Vice Chair. One of the things we like to do at the start of town meeting is to acknowledge people who have taken the time to be volunteers in our community, but who are no longer serving, whether they just decided they didn't want to take part any longer um, and just decided not to be reappointed. We want to thank them very much for their years of service to the town and to thank them for their time and their work. The following volunteers have either resigned since last year's annual town meeting or requested that they not be reappointed. All have served for one full term or more and will be sent certificates of appreciation. And if you could please hold your applause until the end. The Council on Aging, Lee Beavers, three years, Phyllis Muthi, nine years, the Community Affairs Committee, Liz Bedard, four years. Cultural Council, 
Selvi Oyola, six years. Leslie Shore, six years. Board of Library Trustees, Joan Scott, three years. Nita Karanjkar, three years. Charles Reccia, three years. Scholarship Committee, Bob D'Amico, 14 years. James Kahundi, nine years. And Planning Board, Michelle Gillespie, 18 years. So please give everyone a round of applause for their volunteer time. Thank you very much. Jason Perot, Chairman, Board of Selectmen. Article four, I move the town vote to raise and appropriate and transfer from available funds the sum of $23,563,961 for town government as displayed in the warrant supplement distributed at this town meeting. And to meet said appropriations, the following sums available for appropriation be transferred. From cemetery trust fund income, $9,006. From cemetery sale of lots, $18,500. From debt exclusion premium reserve, $545. From debt exclusion reserve, $10,550. From DPU transportation fund, $1,764. From Conservation Commission fees, $11,309. From Fire Emergency Medical Services Revolving Fund, $354,487. From Recreation Revolving Fund, $75,000. From Animal Control Revolving Fund, $28,000. From Medicare Part D subsidy, $50,732. From PEG Access Cable Related Fund, $294,728. And free cash, $500,000. For a total of $1,354,621. And that the sum of $22,209,340 be raised by taxation. And vote to appropriate and transfer from free cash the sum of $200,000 for deposit into the stabilization fund. Second. Oops. Motion's been made and seconded. Town Administrator, Mr. Kader. Uh, thank you, Mr. Moderator. Excellent. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a brief overview of the general fund budget. That includes all of the budget, so you get a, a full picture of what it means in terms of the uh, resources that are being dedicated to municipal services, including the school department, and then we'll talk about the uh, tax impact as well. Uh, basically, the way I'd characterize a fiscal 23 budget is it's a level service budget with no significant uh, changes. Um, revenue projections are modest. Uh, we're not seeing much in, uh, in the way of an increase in state aid. Local receipts are level funded and taxes are just going up the limit uh, that is allowable under Proposition 2.5. If I had to characterize fiscal 23 in any overriding way, I'd say it's a rebuilding year as we restore some of the cuts that have lingered from the recent pandemic, including contributions to our financial reserves, our OPEB trust fund, capital investments, and then some limited cuts that still lingered in a few of the operating budgets. In terms of the uh, pandemic reductions, and so I think it's important to re remind folks where we just were in the last couple of years. 
We cut operating budgets to 1% in 2021, and we constrained them in 2022. The way we got through the pandemic was we used extra one-time uh, revenues in, in the form of free cash in the operating budget. We stopped putting money into the savings account, into uh, uh, the um, essentially our rainy day fund, and we postponed a pretty significant amount of capital on a short-term basis. Uh, the biggest cut was in the OPEB trust fund. This is for other post-employment benefits. And uh, I just say, like, think about this in terms of your own personal lives. If you lost your job or you were in financial straits, you would cut back your spending, you would stop contributing into your savings account, you'd stop contributing to your, uh, to your retirement account, and you would probably postpone buying a new car. On a macro scale, that's essentially what we did. Those were all great moves, and those were all moves that we knew we were gonna make in the event of a recession or a pandemic or something really bad happening. Uh, those are not long-term permanent solutions, obviously, so we need to get back to uh, restoring some of those cuts. So in terms of fiscal 2023, as I said, the proposition two and a half tax increase is we're not using any levy capacity. So it's just a, a, a standard prop two and a half increase. We're also not using any reserves uh, beyond the policy limit of 500,000. We are beginning to get back to contributing to our long-term liability, which is uh, our OPEB trust fund. And uh, originally we put in $550,000 every year. Uh, we eliminated that for two consecutive years, and in fiscal 23, we're phasing it back in at 300,000. The idea is next year we'll be back to the level that we should be. Uh, as I said, we have not contributed into our savings account for two fiscal years. So in this budget, we are bringing uh, $200,000 in free cash into our stabilization rainy day fund. And then last but not least, you'll see articles 11 through 20 is a pretty significant increase in the capital uh, projects. And these are small equipment replacements. And all of those will be done on a pay-as-you-go basis with no additional tax impact. If you look at page 57 in your warrant book, uh, there's a budget and brief summary. And uh, the bottom line general fund budget, and when I say the general fund budget, I'm talking about all of the school budgets as well as the uh, general municipal departments. So if you look at that, overall the budget is going up 5.28%. Now it's important to note that that is not a 5.28% increase in terms of recurring operating budgets. So uh, as I said, we cut capital and we cut our savings account during the pandemic. And as we start to restore those things, we're adding about $2 million in pay-as-you-go capital in this, uh, in this budget through the various warrant articles that are before you this evening. And we are also contributing back into our stabilization fund, which is basically our savings account. So when you uh, take those out, and again, neither the one-time capital nor the stabilization fund are recurring and will have any additional tax impact. When you control for those, you're really looking at a 3.22% increase. In terms of the operating budgets, the Northborough K-8 school budget is going up 3.46%. The general government budget, so police, fire, DPW, general administration, is going up 3.65%. Assabet Valley, overall between the debt assessment and the operating assessment, is going up 17.36%. You'll hear from uh, the superintendent uh, in a few minutes. Regarding that, it essentially has to do with the amount of kids that are going there. Their overall operating budget is only going up 4.3%. The real shining light here for us in this uh, budget cycle, if there is one, is that the Algonquin Regional High School assessment and uh, debt assessment, operating in debt assessment, combined is only going up 
0.28 of a percent. And that is attributable to the fact that there are fewer kids from Northborough uh, and more kids from Southborough. For the last three years, you've heard me present that we've had more kids from Northborough than Southborough going to the high school, and our assessment has gone up disproportionately higher. Uh, that trend now is reversing, as was forecast, and so, uh, so that means for the town of Northborough, our assessment for the high school is gonna be relatively flat. We're hopeful by the time final state aid actually comes through that that may be uh, a zero or even maybe slightly negative. So I'm gonna shift gears now. That's the overall picture of all of the budgets, uh, the general fund budget in Northborough, and talk about now specifically Article 4 of the warrant is for the general government budget, the non-school departments. Uh, the highlights for that are, uh, at this point, we have all of our collective bargaining agreements are expired, and so we're in negotiations right now. They expire at the end of this fiscal year. So all uh, wage increases, as well as some funding for a class comp study, are all being budgeted centrally in the personnel board account. So if you look at the uh, warrant booklet, and you see that personnel board account is up $350,000, that's why. Um, in terms of restorations, I mentioned restoring a few things in the budget that were cut during the pandemic. The one position that was eliminated that remains is a light equipment operator in the DPW, so we're restoring that position in fiscal 2023. On a positive note, a rec department has always historically been 100% self-sufficient with program fees. That's been a success story for us. Unfortunately, when you close down the economy and you cancel all the programs, rec department then became uh, supported by uh, tax dollars. As the economy opens up and the uh, programs get going again, they're at 52% self-sufficient. Uh, we hope by 2024 they'll be back to 100% self-sufficient again. And then the last two that are often budget busters for us, uh, the Worcester Regional Retirement is going up 10%. It's going, up, it's going to go up 10% for the foreseeable future because they're eliminating the unfunded liability that, uh, that is out there. And there's a plan to have that uh, on a funding schedule to be taken care of by 2036. That's not a local decision. Uh, the Worcester Regional Retirement System has to be fully funded by law by 2040. And so we just have to pay that assessment. So it is an impact for us but it's a known recurring impact and we're planning for it. Uh, last but not least, uh, a real positive note for us is uh, our health insurance carrier dropped us and we were able to go out for a bid and working with the high school in the town of Southboro with a joint procurement arrangement, uh, we got our health insurance budget to come in at 1%. That is a budget bust for, for us uh, in any given year, uh, but I'm proud to say for the last 10 years, our health insurance budget has gone up on average 2.88% and I'll put that up against any other town. In terms of a snapshot, the dashboard for how we're doing as we talk about measuring our financial condition and what kind of shape Northborough is in, this is our, these are our 14 uh, key indicators that we track. We spend a lot of time in December with all the boards and committees talking about these. Uh, we'll make it real easy. If it's in green, it's favorable. If it's in red, it's not. And black is sort of in the middle. So uh, we have a lot of favorable things going on. There are four unfavorable indicators that we track. Uh, one I just mentioned is the uh, pension liability. That is on a funding plan. There's nothing for us to do with that. Uh, the state aid's unfavorable. We can't do anything about that either other than plan and make sure that we have reserves in case state aid gets cut further. And then economic growth revenues. These are the elastic revenues that move with the economy. So motor vehicle excise, hotel and meals, building permits. Uh, those obviously were unfavorable because of the pandemic. They're coming back. They're coming back uh, a little slowly. Uh, but we anticipate by uh, within the next year, we should be hopefully back up to where we were pre-pandemic. 
And the only other one is the other post-employment uh, liability. As I said, we did not contribute to that for two years. That's very important for our long-term financial stability. And uh, we are phasing in this year 300,000, and uh, there's a proposal uh, potentially to use some one-time uh, funding to get that up a little higher this year with the intent that next year it'll be back in the budget base and essentially be back on track. And then uh, the uh, last ones here in terms of um, uh, capital investments, we're back, we're getting back on track with uh, replacing our equipment and our infrastructure. Again, we hit a pause button for a year or two uh, as a way to just buy ourselves some time and wait for some uh, aid to come through the federal uh, and state budgets, which it did. And uh, so everything worked actually perfectly according to plan. So we were able to provide tax relief. The average single family tax bill actually went down in fiscal 2021. Uh, during the worst of the pandemic, and we've maintained a pretty reasonable tax increase uh, for the last year. Now the slide everybody's waiting for, the estimated tax impact for fiscal 2023. The one thing that we have going on this year, uh, and you'll, if you're reading the papers, uh, you'll know, is that uh, single-family home values are, are uh, going up very quickly. And uh, some of our neighboring communities, their average single-family tax bills are going up well over $1,000. Um, for Northborough, a typical increase in the tax bill for us, in order for us to maintain services, both at the schools and the general government, is uh, the taxes need to go up about $280, roughly. Um, this year, we're projecting a $513 increase, and about 40 to 50% of that increase is just due to the fact that single-family home values are going up. If you go back uh, when the housing bubble popped um, uh, many, a few years back, uh, Single-family home values were going down, commercial industrial values were going up, you know, the average single-family tax bill barely budged, in a couple of years it was flat or actually went down. So this unfortunately is uh, what's happening in the market at the moment, uh, but again it's not being driven by budgets. The budgets that are before you tonight, including the one under Article 4 for general government, these are level service budgets, uh, maintaining the current uh, services that we have. Uh, in terms of the budget overall, uh, the, it is within the confines of Prop 2.5. We're in compliance with our policies. There's no one-time gimmicks here. We're not uh, using a lot of one-time revenues. We're not uh, shoveling off expenses to different years. It's a solid budget. It is what you see. Um, we're maintaining our core services, and I think the big thing, as I said at the beginning, is it's a restoration year. So we're restoring some of the previous cuts regarding OPEB, stabilization fund reserves, and capital investments. And to the extent that we can, we are minimizing the tax impact. In order for these budgets to reduce the tax impact any further would require us to cut services. So there's, again, this is a, they're solid budgets, but they're level service budgets that are before you this evening. In terms of uh, the overall budget, uh, it has the unanimous support of the Appropriations Committee, the K-8 School Committee, the Regional School Committee, and the Board of Selectmen. There is no controversy over these uh, operating budgets that are before you this evening. They're solid, um, they're respectful in terms of the tax impact, and, uh, and there is uh, hopefully unanimous support uh, from the folks in this room as well. The last point that I would make is, uh, I'm pleased to report we just found out last week that the town of Northborough received its 11th uh, National Budget Award uh, for uh, distinguished budget present uh, presentations. So, nice. thank you. And, uh, and with that, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Yes, over here, please. Uh, good evening. 
Can you hear me all right with a mask on, I hope? Could you get very close to the microphone, please? Okay. Can you hear me better now? Yes? Okay, I can hear me, so you can. Lisa Maselli, 13 Maple Street. I just have a question. I know I asked this probably two years ago. Um, in the town, General? Uh, I'm sorry, but we can't hear you back here. Can you remove your mask, please? Thank you. In the town general fund budget summary, under general administration executive officer, economic development has, a, um, has an amount of money of $1,325. Um, how is this amount used for economic development? Uh, sure. So basically, uh, economic development is handled. It's one of the hats that the assistant town administrator actually wears. Uh, it is for uh, training, meeting attendance, and uh, if we are in a position where we are producing, uh, for instance, if we were going to bring to town meeting this year a tax increment financing uh, agreement, it would be used to produce uh, documents along those way for your reviewing. Okay. Does it have, does it have any dues as well? Uh, yes. It, it includes the uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, dues for the town. Okay. And of that amount, how much is the Chamber's dues? I believe it's $350. So 350 for the whole year. Um, how many of the small businesses in Northbrook does the chamber represent? Uh, I potentially all of them, but I don't know the exact count. It represents them all because we pay that we pay that 350. No, uh, it represents them all because that's the regional chamber that represents our area. All right, and do we know what the chamber did for those businesses during COVID? Uh, the, well, I'm not here to speak for the chamber, uh, so you might want to ask them specifically what they did, but we did work closely with them throughout the pandemic, and uh, they acted as a liaison for a lot of the state and federal programs to make sure that businesses knew what was available to them and to uh, provide workshops to allow them access to that and help them gain access to those funds. Okay. All right. Well, so my last remark then is that the chamber is becoming very involved in our small town election process and now trying to contribute to our bylaw standards. Uh, the citizens' tax dollars are being used to fund an organization that's been getting involved in their elections and bylaws. Um, I believe this is a conflict of interest, and I, I want to make a note of that. Thank you. Any other questions or comments on Article 4? Hearing none, if you want to refer to the motion, motion it is on page 8 of the booklet. I won't bore you by reading the... Yeah, motion in its entirety. This requires a, a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed, Article 4 passes. Article 5, Water, Sewer, and Solid Waste Enterprise Funds. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. Article 5, I move the town vote to raise and appropriate and transfer from available funds the sum of $5,961,704 for water, sewer, and solid waste funds for the operation of the water, sewer, and solid waste utilities. And to meet said appropriation, the following sums available for appropriation be transferred. Water fund free cash, $246,103. Solid Waste Fund Free Cash, $120,953. And to raise and appropriate by taxation, Solid Waste General Fund Subsidy, $337,160.
for a total of $704,216 and that the sum of five million two hundred fifty seven thousand four hundred eighty five I'm sorry four hundred eighty eight dollars be financed from water sewer and solid waste revenues with said sums to be allocated as follows water fund two million six hundred thirty six thousand one hundred three sewer fund two million three hundred ninety seven thousand four hundred eighty eight solid waste nine hundred twenty eight thousand one hundred thirteen for a total of five million nine hundred sixty one thousand seven hundred four dollars Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Presentation by DPW Director Charpentier and uh, Town Engineer Litchfield. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. The water, sewer, and solid waste budgets are enterprise funds as authorized by state statute. These provide separate accounting and financial mechanisms for municipal services for which a fee is charged. This allows the community to demonstrate to the public the portion of operating costs that is recovered through user charges and the portion that is subsidized by the tax levy, if any. I'll present the proposed budgets for the water sewer enterprise funds and then our town engineer, Fred Litchfield, will come up and present the budget for solid waste enterprise fund. Somebody's taxes just went up, I think. <laughs> on, average, on average, the town of Northborough uses approximately 900,000 gallons of water every day, which is purchased entirely from the MWRA. Our water system includes an interconnection with the MWRA off Bartlett Street, two water storage tanks, and four inactive water wells. The water system serves approximately 80% of the town, with the remaining properties being served by private wells. The proposed fiscal year 23 Water Enterprise Fund operating budget is $2,636,103, which is $317,871, or 10.8% less than the last fiscal year, FY22. This substantial budget decrease is, it attribu is attributed to the re reduction of $251,513 in our MWRA assessment, as well as $66,358 of one-time operating expense cuts. The, the, the latter, the, the operating expense cuts, are necessitated by our fiscal year 22 being the lowest consumption year in over a decade, as well as the unexpected expense we encountered in FY22, uh, implementing the mandatory water meter upgrade program. Rates will likely need to be increased slightly in FY23 due to the Department of Revenue's requirement that the proposed fiscal year uh, revenue is based on the last fiscal year's consumption, which again was a 10-year record low. Uh, the expectation is the uh, rate adjustment will be done after a formal rate study, um, which will be completed in the coming months. For our sewer enterprise fund, approximately 30% of Northborough has access to the town's wastewater collection system. The sewer collection area includes nine pump stations and discharges all flow to the Westerly Wastewater Treatment Plant located in Marlboro. The proposed FY23 
The proposed FY23 budget is $2,397,488. This represents an increase of $24,028, or just about 1% over the FY22 budget. The increase is solely attributed to the estimated increase in our cost to the City of Marlboro for accepting our discharge. Northboro's share of the $30 million Marlboro treatment plant improvements and our share of the associated operating costs of the plant remains uncertain still due to the continued legal proceedings related to the new municipal agreement with the city. Anticipating a significant increase to our payments to Marlboro, we've instituted a series of incremental rate increases over the past years. and We expect there to be no rate increase in FY23 uh, while we await resolution to the intermunicipal agreement with Marlboro um, and complete a formal rate study. Now, Fred, you want to come up for uh, solid waste? Thank you, Scott. <clears throat> Good evening. The um, Solid Waste Enterprise Fund involves the administration of two separate contracts, collection contract for the curbside collection of and disposal of trash and recycling. Uh, trash is collected weekly and the recycling is collected every other week. All of the solid waste is then delivered to the Wheelabrator facility in Millbury in accordance with the town's long-term contract for disposal. The total fiscal year 23 solid waste budget as proposed is $928,113, which represents a 1% increase from last year's budget. In fiscal year 23, the appropriation again contains a $10,000 contingency reserve account to ensure funding for the potential of any unforeseen expenses. In 2015, the disposal contract with Wheelabrator facility in Millbury was, was renegotiated, providing a lower tipping fee, thereby reducing long-term costs. The total fee revenues in fiscal year 23 are estimated to be $470,000 and the projected general fund subsidy is $337,160, along with a transfer from the solid waste fund free cash of $120,953, which allows us to reach the total fiscal year 23 solid waste budget of $928,113. Uh, $928, Pay-as-you-throw program initiated in January of 2003 continues to be successful as shown in the chart behind me. It indicates recycling volumes have been holding a steady for the last several years while trash is now showing an increase uh, during the pandemic. There seems to be a bit more people at home generating more trash. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. Before we have questions, I'd like to get the recommendation from the Board of Selectmen on Article 5. Sorry, Mr. Moderator. Board of Selectmen unanimously recommends approval of this article. Thank you. And may I hear from the Appropriations Committee, please? Uh, Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee voted unanimously to recommend approval of this article. Thank you. Now we can have questions and discussion. Any questions or discussion on Article 5? Yes. I have a question about the solid waste um, recycling slide that we just went through. Um, 
What percentage of households? I'm, I'm going to interrupt and ask you to remove your mask so that we can hear you back here. Sure. I'm curious as to like how many households does this program serve? Because a lot of us have private collection. And so I'm a little confused about the increase. Is that like based on, because not everybody consumes that service. So I'm wondering how it works. The 1% uh, the increase in the budget? No, but that program, the part that's taxpayer funded, um, how many households does it actually serve given that some people may have elected to pay for private trash disposal? It, there's just about, uh, just under 5,000 households participating in the program out of a total of about 57, 5,800 households in town. So roughly about 80%, 81, 82% participate. Okay. Because the numbers, you know, it, when you look at the proportion of the population factor and increase, I'm wondering if there isn't a better way, but that's for another meeting <laughs> to um, fund and subsidize trash and recycling. Or do you encourage, though, long-term, those people who are paying private to come back into the system and pay more or, you know, there might be better ways to fund that I'd like for us to consider in the future. Well, it's been a number of years since we've increased the fees that the residents have to pay for the bags and the stickers. The town's budget has been absorbing the difference uh, for a number of years now. So the, the bag fees have held quite steady since I believe 2008. But I know for a fact, because I'm one of those people who pays privately and doesn't use the bag program and has the contracted service. So I'm wondering if there isn't almost some sort of incentive you could offer and then you're working with a bigger pool when you negotiate. I, I don't know if that's ever been considered. I'm, I'm happy. not saying anything must be done, but I just wanted to put it out there. I'm happy to talk to you offline um, and help you to evaluate whether or not the town's program could actually save you money. It, it really does promote recycling, and the more you recycle, the less bags you buy and the less you spend. So I'm happy to work with you individually if you want to give me a call. Okay. Yes, right here. John Foraker, 99 Pleasant Street. My question is for the water department. Over the years, the town has installed wells. Uh, wells have been upkept and everything. Uh, we've changed the systems about six times since they started putting them in. Now, my question is, we're buying MWRA water. Are we still spending money on the wells that are in the ground? We are not. All of our drinking water wells are um, inactive um, under DEP's rules as well as our own. Now, if we're not spending any money on them, over the years it left uh, to go forward. Um, what happens if MWRA shuts us off? Do we go back to the wells that are there, or do we have to redrill new wells? And what's the cost difference? Because I remember when the first well was put in, and we've added and added and added and added, and now we don't have it anymore, 
everything has been shut down. All the water levels that were there in the past were drained down, and now they've all come back. And all of this water that's coming back around these wells has become a swamp. So we've got problems on one side, and we've got problems on the other side. We've got swamps that are filling up because the wells are not running, and we're buying MWRA water, and it's just getting worse. As the town grows, we add more housing, more, more lots and everything, new roads, and all of that drain water is going into the brooks that are swelling and overflowing now. So my question is, will we ever go back to the wells? If we do, are we going to have to replace them, or are we going to be able to use them? The wells are emergency standby status. They do not provide enough drinking water to supply the entire community. Um, they are available for use. The, all of our, none of our wells are under uh, surface water influence. Um, they are available for use in the event there's an emergency. Over here, please. Yes, <clears throat> my name is Rudiger Volk um, from 137 uh, East Main Street. Uh, my question is um, uh, twofold. Um, one thing is, um, I understand that the town to support the water, sewer, and trash collection. Uh, how much would it be if um, only the participant would uh, um, uh, pay for the service and not all the people? In, in if I understand it clear that some people get it, their own private water, um, everybody probably in the sewer uh, department, but also not everybody participate in the trash collection. Uh, the second question goes into, has the department um, an, a fund, a, a capital fund, for the future if some system breaks down, let's say in Milford, the, the trash, um, uh, incendiary uh, needs to be replaced, and do they have then a contract to uh, to participate in the, in this? For example, or the water dries out. What the gentleman said: um, Is there any capital fund uh, saved, and uh, is the town planning to do so? Uh, I'll answer the the water-related question first. Um, the Water Enterprise Fund operates as a standalone financial entity. It retains uh, fund balance. Uh, in the, in the bank in, to, uh, to address any emergencies that occur, as I indicated to the question earlier. In the event there was a, uh, an issue with uh, supply from the MWRA, we have wells. They're considered inactive by MassDEP, which means we do not have to uh, undergo uh, periodic testing of the, of the facilities. They are available. They are currently permitted through MassDEP for withdrawal, but they're in emergency status. So again, each one of the three enterprise, well, each one of the three enterprise funds has their own savings account, for lack of better terms, um, and that is there to address emergencies in the in, in the event they occur. This doesn't address um, that the um, funds. Uh, so I understand that the enterprise uh, get money from uh, the regular taxpayer from the town to sustain their operation. And my point is, how much would it cost? to make it self, uh, financial self-sufficient? The water and sewer enterprise funds are 100% self-sufficient each. The ratepayers pay 100% of all operating 
uh, in capital costs as well as contribution to the fund balance, i.e. savings account, as does the sewer. Okay, thank you. Hi, John. First of all, great job in the DPW. My name is Rod Fannin-Steele. I live over on the Porridge Circle. In your budget about sewage, is there a plan to connect more houses to town sewage in the coming year? Uh, that's a good question. I know Milk Porridge and Sunset were two roadways that were considered for sewer extensions uh, about a decade ago. That was uh, the, the number one contributing factor to that consideration was the active Brigham Street well that's in the neighborhood. That well is now inactive. Uh, we've been on the MWRA water solely for well over a decade. Uh, there are no capital plans for sewer expansions down Milk Porridge or Sunset. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions or comments on Article 5? Hearing none, Article 5 motion is on page 9 of your booklet. I will ask all those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed, Article 5 passes. Article 6. Northboro K-8 Schools Budget, Leslie Rutan, Board of Selectmen. Hi, I just wanted to preempt Keith's motion by mentioning that we were remiss in not mentioning him as well. Uh, Keith has served for six years, two terms on the Northboro School Committee and is not, uh, has not opted for re-election, so we do want to recognize him for his many years of service on that committee. So thank you very much. Good evening, Mr. Moderator. Keith LaBelle, Northborough School Committee. I move the town vote to raise and appropriate by taxation the sum of $26,692,953 for the operation of the Northborough Public Schools. Motion has been made and seconded. Presentation by Gregory Martineau, School Superintendent. So good evening, Greg Martineau, and I have the privilege to serve as your superintendent. And on behalf of the Northboro School Committee, I'm pleased to share with the community a brief overview of the Public Schools of Northboro FY23 School Committee voted budget. I think it's important to note that our organization is a vision and mission-driven organization, and students are at the center of our work. The district's mission is quite simple. It's to educate, inspire, and challenge all students. The vision is to ensure that students are prepared to succeed at the next grade level, the next school, and eventually college and career. We want our students to be strong collaborators, critical and creative thinkers, communicators, socially and civically engaged, growth-oriented, healthy and balanced. And lastly, our organization has core values that drives its work. Those values are integrity, empathy, inclusivity, equity, perseverance, and respect. We view the budget process as a means to help achieve 
the school committee's budget goals and the district strategic objectives outlined in the district strategic plan vision 2026. This year, the school committee's budget goals centered on recruiting, maintaining, and supporting high quality staff, meeting the needs of all learners with instructional classroom models, expanding professional development for all teachers, maintaining the district's capital assets, maintaining and supporting instructional technology, and ensuring all students are provided with equity of opportunity. The district's five strategic objectives are empowering learners, equity of opportunity, healthy and balanced learners, educator learning and leadership, finance and operations to support teaching and learning. The budget presented to you this evening incrementally moves the district closer to achieving its goals, specifically ensuring consistent implementation of teaching and learning, supporting class student to teacher ratios in accordance with the district's class size policy, and ensuring consistent implementation of the Massachusetts curriculum frameworks. The budget amount for your consideration is $26,692,953, which is a 3.46 increase over fiscal year 22. The fiscal 23 budget is a level services budget with growth areas in instructional technology and student support services. And I'd be happy to answer any questions. Okay, thank you. May I hear from the Northborough School Committee on Article 6, please? Mr. Moderator, uh, the Northborough School Committee unanimous, unanimously approves this Warren article. Thank you. And may I hear from the Appropriations Committee, please? Uh, Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee voted uh, <clears throat> unanimously to recommend approval of this article. Okay, thank you. Any questions? I see one right here. Please. Good evening. Samantha LaCroix, 116 Lincoln Street. Uh, I actually just had a question about a detail in the K through 8 budget, specifically as it pertains to Lincoln Street Elementary School. I noticed when reviewing the detailed line-by-line, school-by-school um, breakout that there was actually a reduction in the overall budget for Lincoln Street, but I didn't catch anything that spoke to why that was. And so I was curious if there was a shift in population, perhaps attending that school, or a change in services. So I'm just hoping to get an answer to that. Thank you. I'll have to take a closer look at the budget and review the line items. Um, we do ensure that there's parity across the four elementary schools when reviewing the budget process. Um, so I'd be happy to take your name and get back to you with a specific answer. I'll have to look at the line items more closely. All right. Great. Thank you. Mr. Moderator? Uh, yes. Uh, I just want to note that uh, the Board of Selectmen also took a vote on this article and unanimously recommended approval. Thank you. Any other questions? Any other debate? My name is Charles Frankie and I live on uh, Howard Street. Uh, just a couple of quick questions. I, I see some rather large 
reductions on some of these line items. Um, District-wide administration is down 81%. Um, looks like an instructional coordinator is totally gone. Um, there's another instructional equipment, instructional materials have all been uh, reduced quite a bit. Is there, could you explain some of these cuts? Sure, so there actually were not reductions. Um, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education has a chart of accounts. The Finance Department spent time this year aligning the district's chart of accounts with DESE's line of, uh, uh, chart of accounts. This is for end of year reporting purposes. We do have a crosswalk that we can provide anyone who would like um, to see where those funds shifted, but again, those do not represent reductions in the overall budget in those positions. <laughs> there was a runaway can there for a while. Any other questions or debate on Article 6? Hearing none, this is what we're voting on. I move the town vote to raise and appropriate by taxation the sum of $26,692,953 for the operation of the Northborough Public Schools. This requires a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed, Article 6 passes. Article 7. Northborough Southborough Regional School District budget. Joan Frank. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. Joan Frank, 420 Whitney Street, uh, member of the Northborough Southborough Regional School Committee and Northborough K-8 School Committee. I move the town vote to raise and appropriate by taxation Northborough's share of the assessment for the operation and debt services of the Northborough Southborough Regional School District the sum of $13,568,035. Motion has been made and seconded. Thank you. Superintendent Martineau, please. I will be quizzing people on the core values, mission, and vision. So, um, so on behalf of the Northborough Southboro Regional School District, I'm pleased to share a brief overview of the public schools of Northborough and Southboro FY23 School Committee voted budget. This year, the school committee's budget goals centered on prioritizing the social and emotional well-being of students and staff and especially requirements related to COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic. Maintaining high quality staff, instructional programming, and instructional resources, including technology. Striving to achieve class size in accordance with the school committee policy. Preparing all students for high levels of success in college and career readiness. Funding the initiatives of the school improvement plan and the Vision 2026 strategic plan. Creating and funding a short and long-term capital plan for the high school, 
and the school committee approved funding the school committee approved initiatives that are recommended by the coalition of equity the budget amount for your consideration in aggregate is $25,727,081, which rep uh, represents a 3% increase over fiscal year 22 in aggregate. The budget amount for your consideration is $13,568,035, which is a 0.28% increase over FY22. The FY23 budget is a level service budget Algonquin continues to offer its students an outstanding education with a breadth of experience from academics, extracurricular activities, fine and performing arts, and athletics. Students who graduate from Algonquin are well prepared for college and career, and we see great persistence through freshman year in college. Some of the budget drivers for the fiscal year 23 budget include instructional textbooks, materials, and technology, maintaining the technology and instructional material um, replacement plan, funding other post-employment benefits, um, salary increases in COLAs. The district is entering into the third year of a three-year um, contract next year. Um, insurance increases, which include health, liability, and workers' comp. Special education out of district transportation, and lastly, special education collaborative tuition for students who require services that the school uh, district cannot provide. Those budget drivers total $750,378. One of the areas the school committee focused on with this fiscal year 23 budget is looking to reduce the fees to families and students. One area this budget makes progress in is the reduction of uh, student activity fees by 50%. Um, so in this fiscal year 23 budget, the student activity fee will be $25 down from $50. And in fiscal year 24, the plan is to um, eliminate the fee entirely. In terms of Northborough's non-exempt assessment calculation, I think it's important to note that the regional school committee is applying $600,000 of excess and deficiency um, to reduce the town's assessments. Um, this brings Northborough's apportioned amount to $13,281,446, and this is a 0.17% increase. In terms of the non-exempt and exempt total, um, the FY23 assessment is $13,568,035, and again, that's a 0.28% increase over fiscal year 22. And I'd just like to thank the citizens of Northboro um, for their continued support uh, for public education, both in Northboro pre-K through 8 and um, 9 through 12. Thank you, and I'd be happy to answer any specific questions. May I hear from the Board of Selectmen on Article 7, please? Mr. Moderator, the Board of Selectmen unanimously recommends approval of this article. Thank you. May I hear from the Regional School Committee on Article 7, please? Mr. Moderator, the um, support for, the, for this budget was, was supported by all members of the School Committee, of the Regional School Committee. Thank you. And may I hear from the Appropriations Committee, please? 
Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee unanimously recommends approval of this article. Thank you. Are there any questions or discussion on Article 7? Yes, I don't see you. Wave your hand or something. There you are. As I go through, oh, I'm sorry, John Foraker, 99 Pleasant Street. As I go through this budget, I don't see anything in here dedicated to the sports programs. And the reason I bring that up is because there's been a lot of controversy over the last year and a half about the change of the mascot and that what, it's gonna, what it was going to cost and, and everything else. And there's nothing in here, Ms. Mino, about what that whole thing was. And my question is, um, who's paying for the, for the logo change from the Tomahawks to the uh, Titans? Sure, so the operational budget includes 65% of the athletic fees, um, so it's about 576,000, I mean, of the athletic budget. Um, the additional 35% of the athletic budget is captured through fees to students. In terms of um, making the, the shift to the Titans for the mascot, um, when the school committee motioned or voted to um, retire the Tomahawk, it also motioned that large-scale infrastructure um, replacements such as scoreboard signs, um, logos on the floor of, of the gymnasium, uniforms, would be replaced according to the standard replacement cycle, which is a seven-year cycle. So this budget includes that standard seven-year replacement cycle, so it doesn't incur any new costs as a result of the mascot change. And over time, we will phase it out. It also provides the school committee with an opportunity to um, accelerate the replacement of um, the old mascot um, pen, pending um, kind of the fin financial and economic condition. But in this specific budget, it, does, it stays the normal course at this point in time. So what, what you're saying is that the program to change of everything over is built into this? One, one of the seven-year replacement cycle. I'm yes. sorry, I can't hear you. Sorry, it's, it's includes one year of a seven-year replacement cycle. And, and it, what's the cost on that? Because it's not in here. I'd have to um, look at the, the breakdown of what that cost is specifically, but I can get back to you. Yeah, but that should be in the budget as, as a, um, not a line item or anything, but it should be there telling the people what, what you're spending out of the budget to make this conversion. I know what it costs to do something like this because I'm in the sign business. And I look at that gymnasium floor and you're gonna to have to redo that whole floor in there and put a new logo in it. I know that over a period of time that that floor is gonna be repaired, but it doesn't need to be repaired now. And now you're gonna go in there and you're gonna do everything at the cost of the residents or 
are you going to make the kids go out there and raise the monies to do this instead of, instead of putting it in the budget? Because the track team is already out raising money to get their uniforms. Thank you. This gentleman over here was in line. Yes. Good evening. Uh, good evening, all, Mr. Moderator. Matthew Foreman, 122 Whitney Street. Um, great job on the presentation. Just a question with regards to the reduction of uh, rentals and leases of like 45,000 annually. Is that offset by capital expenditure? All right, uh, what is being reduced there? <coughs> Hang on one second. Uh, Becky Pellegrino, who's the finance director, can speak to that. I believe it's copiers, leases. And in reallocating some of our DESE um, chart of accounts, we did move some of our copier leases to another line item, so it's elsewhere within the budget. By chance, is that instructional hardware other for 60000 Yes, it is. All right, thank you. Over here, please. I actually have a couple questions. Um, I am concerned because I think I heard you say you're reducing the activity fees for the students, but at the same time, there is an urgent need, I think, to change the mascot that's on the existing uniforms that they use year over year, because you're perpetuating something the students went through a lot of work and voting to change. So I would have liked to have seen some kind of ballpark figure of how much it would cost to do it all at once, as opposed to waiting for another generation Seven years is like a generation almost to get the right mascot and logo on the uniforms. Um, the other question I had is I wasn't sure whether the athletic fee um, stuff is in this budget or is it another line item? Um, is it its own article or is it included in this budget? So it's not included in the operational budget um, that you're looking at, just the amount appropriated by um, the taxpayers is included. The activity fees, or the not the activities, the athletic fees are accounted for in our revolving um, accounts, and we have a monthly report for that, um, those accounts as well. And can I just, I'll answer your, your first question too. I think we do have a, a plan to um, accelerate um, the change to the, the Titan mascot. Um, we do have that documented and outlined about what it would cost to make it a six year, a five year, a four year, and three year. It's just that in this specific budget, um, it does not accelerate um, because just of the financial conditions uh, we find ourselves in at this point in time. The student activity fee, I just want to be clear too, that does not uh, go to athletics. That goes to clubs and extracurriculars. So that money is in the budget, um, in this operational budget, to continue those experiences for students. So that's separate from the $200 fee for if you make the team. Exactly. Okay. Um, Could I ask you to move very close to the microphone? We're getting oh, feedback. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not that tall, too. Okay, the other, the other thing I didn't see anywhere, and it's just for the future, why doesn't 
our school district have a pool for our student athletes. And that's always bugged me, especially now that I see that we're spending money to do the turf and all that, but our children do not have, as a high school, something with their logo that they can swim in it. Because I come from Western Mass, and even my middle school had a pool. <laughs> and we were taught swimming class for free as part of gym class. And I know raising my child in this town, I had to pay for private swimming. So it's almost like, why, if we're going to spend on the athletic fields, I would have loved to see sometime in the future our school district, Northboro, Southboro, at least a shared pool at the high school level. Yes, sir. Hi, uh, Joe Trambetta, 61 Pleasant Street. Back about four screens uh, back, you had an expenditure for Coalition of Equity. Could you explain that to me, please? Sure. So, so the Coalition of Equity um, formed uh, three years ago, and basically it looks to um, fund keynote speakers, um, to bring a discourse and conversations to the community. Uh, one example is we just had a keynote speaker, a, a community a speaker, a couple weeks ago, Jennifer DeLeon, and that was part of um, the, the, a grant fund that we received, but in the future those grants won't be available to fund those types of keynotes and events uh, from the coalition. And my concern is what, what you know, what, what, what our, young, our young children are taught. And I, I'm concerned about CRT, hopefully that's not into the school system. Do you know, you know anything about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I can speak just, you know, around our responsible for, you know, we teach civics, you know, we teach information around the Constitution, uh, government, economics, a disposition, you know, how do you operate in, um, you know, democratic society, um, and then discourse, you know, how do you have debate and conversation in a civil, um, engaging way that is respectful? So those are the, the three areas that we really focus in on in terms of preparing our students to be ready for uh, the world of, of citizenship beyond Algonquin Regional High School. Thank you. Yes, please. Mike Schrock, 120 Maynard Street. A uh, question that I have uh, goes on the, um, I guess off of what Mr. Foraker was asking. So, so for about a month now, I've had requests out to, uh, to Sean Bevan and then uh, to, to other folks uh, trying to identify uh, data relative to all of the various fees. Um, you know, Mr. Foraker mentioned about the, the track team. My daughter's a member of the track team. Uh, we pay fees for those athletics. Uh, but yet I was really surprised to see that they have a special road race that they're organizing to fund uniforms. Um, in addition, they always do the, uh, the annual fundraiser where they uh, create a camp for kids. Uh, fantastic fundraiser, by the way. I think it's, it's great enrichment for the younger folks, great for the, the, yeah, uh, the track team to do that. Um, but it, it got me very curious uh, because I keep getting uh, all of these notifications about funds being needed to be raised. Uh, for example, uh, again, my senior, uh, we play, paid class dues of $200. You do the math, there's about 500 kids, that's $100,000 for the senior class, multiply that by four, you know, there's $400,000. Um, where that money went is questionable because it was two years where there was no activities, but yet there was a paucity of funds where they needed $35,000 for the after prom party. 
So it, it got me scratching my head. It's $100,000, didn't do anything for two years. Where's all the money going? So I asked, and I've been trying, struggling for over a month now to try to get insights into the general ledger of each of those activities. There's class dues that are $200, there's parking fees, there's athletic fees, there's activity fees. When you add that up and you do the math, they're big sums of money, but yet there seems to be a big gaping hole as to where that money goes, and for a month, I can't get any insight into that. And I am concerned because, you know, at the end of the day, there does seem to be an acceleration toward this move to the tomahawk that the kids never get to vote on, by the way. Um, but, you know, I am curious about that. So can you give me some, you know, evidence of, you know, what's happening with the general ledger? Where can I find this information? Yeah, sure. So thank you for your question. I know that, um, you know, you put in a couple of requests and we're working on gathering that data. I can assure you that any fee that is collected, we have it accounted for, um, and we can produce the documents of how that money is expended and, and for what, and also to ensure that the reason why the money is collected and the expenditures align. So I know you put in a request for that information, and I believe the finance department is gathering that, and we'll have that to you shortly. Why, why would it take over a month for me to get that information? Uh, you, well, you did put that request in through public records, and we're going through that process, so we should hope, again, our, our goal is not to slow the information down, but we, are, we do need some time to yeah. gather I, that. I guess I'm just curious when you, know, when you have a, a sport like track and you're paying, you know, uh, I don't know what the, the fees are, $200, $100, whatever, my wife takes care of that side of the business, but well, whatever you're paying, and you know, that money, you, know, you, you have a uniform, you know, but they've got all these other areas where they're raising funds for, you know, it, it, just, it just doesn't add up. I'm having a lot of trouble reconciling that. I'm trying to understand if that money is maybe being you know, sent off to a general fund or it's, it's being used as chargebacks for something else. So will I be able to get that level yeah, of absolutely. transparency? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's full transparency. We, we will get that data to you. And I'll also share that, you know, boosters and a lot of um, teams decide to raise money for new uniforms um, that are outside of kind of the uniforms that we have. Um, so I think, I think it's important to also note that there are uniforms um, you know, some teams are choosing to accelerate their uniform replacement through fundraisers and so forth, through boosters. All right, very well, thank you. Are there any other questions, concerns? <clears throat> Hearing none, this is what you're voting on for Article 7. I move the town vote to raise and appropriate by taxation Northborough share of the assessment for the operation and debt service of the North Northborough Southborough Regional School District for the sum of $13,568,035. This will require a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. Those opposed? Article 7 passes. Article 8, the Assabet Valley Regional Vocational School District budget. Virginia Sims George. Hmm. Sounds suspicious to me. <laughs> Mr. Moderator, I'm Virginia Sims-George. I'm chair of the Assabet uh, Valley Regional School, and I move that the town uh, vote and approve the appropriations the sum of, uh, let's see here, the lighting is bad, um, 
$253.94. Second. If I could just get clarification on that, it's $1,253,940. It's like the checkbook, isn't it? <laughs> Okay, presentation by Ernie Houle, Assabet School Superintendent. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. Good evening, folks. Uh, as always, it's a pr uh, privilege and a pleasure to come before you. Uh, I do not have a PowerPoint, but we do have a nice budget book that's been out on the tables that you can grab uh, for your reading pleasure. I promised our town administrator that I would be brief. Uh, but I also would like to recognize the great work of uh, Virginia Sims George, who happens to have served as the chair of the Aspen Valley School Committee for the last four years, uh, especially during the, the uh, two difficult years uh, of the pandemic. Uh, as you know, Aspen is a regional vocational school district that provides high quality uh, education in rigorous academics uh, when it comes to career and technical education. Uh, the, the cost of our budget, uh, which we are presenting this evening, is a 4.3% increase, uh, which we find is a fiscally responsible increase. Uh, as you know, in the world of career and technical education, uh, we have very expensive uh, equipment, technology, consumables. As you know, with the inflation of costs, uh, all of our supplies in order to run those programs, 16 different career and technical programs, we've seen an increase and we've been able to manage that through uh, donations from our gracious uh, business and industry partners that we have, uh, as well as through grant funding through the Department of Education uh, and through Governor Baker's Workforce Skills Grant. Um, what we're presenting to you this evening, uh, as it mentions, uh, as it was mentioned by uh, Administrator Coder, is a combined operating assessment and debt service payment uh, with an increase to Northborough of $185,450 uh, for a 17.36% increase. Um, the operating assessment increase is a 20.25, so it's up $189,278, which brings it to $1,123,936. Which is in direct relation to the increase of nine additional students over the last year's, over this current year's FY22 budget. Um, the good news is that um, we have now 68 students from Northborough that are attending. Um, and the seventh debt service payment, which was for our renovation project, which was completed in the 2015 2016 school year, the first. Uh, uh, infrastructure improvement for the school district uh, in the 40-year history of the school district uh, actually will show a decrease uh, of about 2.86 percent um, and it decreases by about $3,800 um, to $130,004. So the overall combined assessment for Northboro this year, $1,253,940. I will entertain any questions. First, may I hear from the Appropriations Committee, please. Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee voted unanimously to recommend approval of this article. Thank you. 
Any questions? Any concerns? Hearing none, this is what you're voting on for Article 8. I move the town vote to raise and appropriate by taxation Northborough's share of the assessment for the operation and debt service of the Assabet Valley Regional Vocational School District, the sum of $1,253,940. This is a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed? Article, nine pass, uh, Article 8 passes. Article 9. Uh, we, we, that was the consent, okay. Article 10. Appropriations Committee Reserve Fund. Jason Perot. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. Article 10, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $175,000 for a reserve fund to provide for extraordinary or unforeseen expenditures in accordance with Massachusetts General Laws, Chapter 40, Section 6, and to meet said appropriation, $175,000 be transferred from free cash. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Presentation by Town Administrator John Kader. Uh, thank you, Mr. Moderator. So this is basically our, uh, our, during the course of the fiscal year, if something bad happens, uh, this is our emergency reserve fund. It's, it's funded out of free cash, which is budget surplus from the prior year. If it's not used, it folds back to free cash. Historically, it's used for covering storm expenses. Oftentimes, if we have a blizzard, what will happen is we'll have uh, extraordinary expenses. And uh, typically, FEMA or, or MEMA, the Massachusetts Emergency Management Association, will reimburse us but it's not uncommon for those reimbursements to take well over a year. So this is our emergency fund so that we don't have to call a special town meeting because we had a snowstorm, basically. Thank you. May I hear from the Appropriations Committee on Article 10, please? Uh, Mr. Moderator, it goes without saying that the Appropriations Committee unanimous, unanimously recommends approving this article. Thank you. Any questions? Hearing no questions, this is what you're voting on for Article 10. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $175,000 for a reserve fund to provide for extraordinary or unforeseen expenditures in accordance with Massachusetts General Laws, Chapter 40, Section 6, and to meet said appropriation, $175,000 be transferred from free cash. This is a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those in op opposition, please. Article 10 passes. Article 11. Uh, Julianne Hirsch. Actually, Mr. Moderator, before we move into Article 11, if I may, just a, a brief overview. Yes. I think it'll save some time. So we've got some uh, capital articles, 11 through 20. I'm hoping that uh, I'll do a little overview and we should be able to move I, through these articles very quickly, at least we have in the last several years. Um, just by a, a brief explanation, the town maintains a six-year capital improvement plan. So every physical asset, uh, be it equipment, infrastructure, or building is included in that plan. Each year, that plan moves up, new, uh, new projects fall in on the end, and the current fiscal year is the capital budget. So you can think of Articles 11 through 20 as the fiscal 2023 capital budget. 
So again, we plan out at least six years, and each year it moves up, and so these are the projects that are before you uh, this evening. So there's 10 projects in total. Uh, we have um, eight of them are coming through the general fund. Uh, one is through the EMS revolving fund, and uh, one is through the uh, sewer enterprise fund. In total, we're looking at $2.78 million. So we're looking at uh, police, three police cruisers, a fire ambulance, a downtown master plan. Uh, this is a focused plan, a vision uh, for our downtown. Uh, we have several pieces of DPW equipment, and then we have uh, some sewer repair work. Now, in total, as I said, it's $2.78 million. Now, the beauty of this is these are being funded through available funds. So you can approve Articles 1 through 20. There will be no additional tax impact for any of them. Uh, one thing I did mention uh, during my budget presentation was one of the ways we got through the pandemic was we postponed purchasing some equipment to create some liquidity for ourselves. So if something bad, so if something happened and we needed access to money, we had it. We didn't spend it on capital. So we increased our reserves. Uh, I'm pleased to say that based on the federal aid through the CARES Act uh, that came through and the FEMA reimbursement, that we didn't need to use it. But we did postpone police cruisers and we postponed several pieces of DPW equipment. So this is important to get back on track. In terms of the funding sources, $2,024,000 in free cash, which is, is essentially budget surplus from the prior fiscal year. The uh, EMS revolving fund, the $400,000 for the ambulance is paid for out of ambulance fees. So uh, insurance companies pay for folks who use the ambulance. We take those fees, we hold them in a special account, and we use it to pay for, in part for providing that service, but also to pay for capital pieces of equipment like ambulances in order so we can provide that service. Uh, the Enterprise Fund, you heard from DPW Director Scott Charpentier that the uh, Enterprise Fund is fully self-sufficient with user fees. So out of that fund balance, they'll be doing routine maintenance and fixing uh, where there's leaks in uh, infiltration or inflow into the sewer system. We continue to invest in our capital. We had a very brief postponement. This will get us largely back on track. Um, the key is that we don't use, uh, through a policy of the Board of Selectmen and the Appropriations Committee, it was adopted back in 2010, one-time revenues, we try to link them up with one-time expenses. So uh, if you get an inflow of cash, you use it to pay for equipment and infrastructure that pays you dividends down the road. Our overall level of debt is very, very low as a municipality. Uh, we are below 4% right now, and our, our policy uh, typically, our policy is 5 to 10%. Most towns, you're looking at 10 to 15% of their budget is going to pay for debt service. So ours is extremely low. That's on purpose. We positioned ourselves because we have a fire station building project that's going to be coming back for uh, potential funding next year. And so we have been uh, continually paying as we go for a lot of this capital. We've been paying off our debt, and we've positioned ourselves well for the next big capital project. The one that we just completed, or the most recent one, was the Lincoln Street Elementary School. It was a $25.5 million building project. Um, since fiscal 2012, that policy that I just talked about uh, has allowed us to, to do $18.6 million in pay-as-you-go capital. That does not include the uh, $2.78 million that we're talking about adding in for fiscal 2023. So just kind of scaling it down, this is like in your personal life, Instead of charging a washer or a dryer on your credit card and paying off you know, minimum payments, 
the town of Northborough pays for things like police cruisers and DPW equipment and things like that on a pay-as-you-go basis. We only finance with debt service and interest payments large projects like the Lincoln Street Building Project, the Fire Station Building Project, uh, things of that nature. So it's been a very successful pro uh, program for us. And I will tell you, when we go out to be rated by the bond rating agencies for our credit worthiness, this is one of the things that always gives us a check in the upgrade box because they like to see the fact that we're paying for things that we should be able to pay for on an ongoing basis and not charging every piece of uh, capital equipment that we need. Uh, lastly, I'll steal the moderator's thunder here. Uh, the capital budget has the unanimous support of the Appropriations Committee and the Financial Planning Committee. So from here, uh, after, uh, this is just giving you the overview. Uh, so from here, each of these does need to be approved as an individual article, but again, Every one of these can be approved with no additional tax impact uh, for you. So uh, with that, I will hand it back to the moderator. Thank you. Are there any questions? Oh, we haven't had the motion yet. Let's have a motion first. Julianne Hirsch, Board of Selectmen. Mr. Moderator. Yes. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $165,000 for the use of the police department for the purchase of three new police vehicles and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $165,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Uh, presentation by Chief Liver. Uh, this is our annual request to replace uh, some uh, police cruisers. We've got a long-standing uh, vehicle replacement schedule that's uh, been highlighted many times, uh, as uh, I've said before, uh, back in 2015 when the town had some a consultant firm come in and do our staffing and operational studies of the police and fire department. One of the things that they were impressed with was our vehicle replacement schedule and our maintenance. Uh, it was cited as being um, very uh, adequate um, and appropriate. We do two cars one year, three cars the following year. Uh, we are, our patrol cars are the frontline cars that the patrol officers drive and respond to calls in. We keep for four years. We buy them with extended warranties for 100,000 to 125,000 miles so that any major repairs are covered. Uh, and our vehicle maintenance budget has decreased. Uh, it stayed stable, actually, uh, for the last, well, I've been chief six years, so it hasn't, hasn't increased in that, mu uh, that much time due to the uh, extended warranties. Uh, so we try to keep them four years on the road or 100,000 miles. Uh, one of the benefits of that is we maximize our uh, trade-in values, which offsets the cost of the cruisers for some reason. People out there like to buy used police cars. I would never do that. So, um, <laughs> uh, so uh, this year we're looking for for three cars, uh, and that's basically it. Oh, oh, sure. There we go. This police car. <laughs> there is an increase this year. Uh, is uh, as with everything that has happened since uh, 2021. Uh, there's been a tremendous shortage of parts. Uh, I ordered cars last year. Uh, one of them came in in March. 
and it's at the upfitters now having blue lights put in it and having it painted and the radios and everything installed. And that's due to a shortage on the manufacturing side is, uh, from the electronics and, and uh, circuits. We've also had, uh, last year I ordered two hybrid cars. We're making the switch to hybrids. And um, Ford canceled the order on us and replaced the order with gasoline engines because they had no stock to provide us with. And they said it was going to be about a year out. And that would be, really destroy our fleet. So these vehicles that we, you know, at least two of them will be uh, hybrid vehicles because one of them we're replacing is a, is a pickup truck. So moving forward, all the police cruisers will be uh, the Ford Explorer hybrids. So they're slightly more expensive than a gas car. Thank you. Are there any questions on Article 11? I'm Jean Cahill from uh, One Thayer Street, and my question regarded the hybrid and electric vehicle availability. I know that certain towns are buying EV police cruisers, the Mustang Mach-E, and uh, they apparently retail for 12000 more, but um, over, they have a much longer life. Uh, I think they're rated to have like an eight-year life as a police car. And they save on um, all of the, the maintenance. All you have to do is rotate your tires, replace your tires, and do brakes. That's as much maintenance as they require. And I would just like to see us follow um, Westboro, which already has uh, seven or eight hybrid vehicles, and they have an EV. Uh, the town of Topsfield is planning to replace all of their police vehicles with EVs because they've had su such su success with the first one that they've gotten, and they love it. it. They go really fast. So I think you guys will like it. It's also much more healthy for our planet, and it's much more healthy for officers who are sitting in an idling vehicle to have one where the engine shuts off. So as soon as we can get those vehicles on the road, let's do it. Let's meet the Massachusetts mandate of getting one million EVs on the road by 2030. We have really aggressive goals that we need to meet as a state to being in um, catching up to you know our need to reduce greenhouse gases as quickly as possible. So as much as North Borough can do, let's do. Thank you. What was the community that's going to go all EV? Uh, Topsfield. Topsfield. Okay. Thank you. Chief Matthew Foreman, 122 Whitney Street. Um, good presentation. Uh, just a question for you. What would you do with more money? If, uh, you know, are you looking at Alper Technologies or, um, you know, you come asking for 165 for the two frontline vehicles, detective's car, but are there other technologies or, or things that you'd like to do if the town were the fund additional? There's lots of things I'd like to do if I could get more money. <laughs> um, as far as vehicles go? Or? Yes, sir. Um, our technology is actually up to, up to par as far as our, uh, you know, computers and the vehicles and our communications equipment. Uh, it does, we are coming to end of life on our radio systems, uh, but, uh, you know, that's going to be addressed in subsequent uh, year. But uh, other than that, uh, it's just the increase in the cost. Uh, as uh, the woman mentioned, the, the Mustang Marquis, um, that starts at $62,000. That's the car that uh, Westboro bought. Um, and that did not include the upfit, putting in the blue lights and the equipment and the radios. So it's going to be used as an uh, unmarked administrative vehicle. But uh, that's, um, no, we, like I said, I'm, 
I'm going to wait and see on all electric vehicles because uh, none of the uh, cruiser manufacturers is there's patrol rated vehicles or police rated vehicles. There is not an electric vehicle out there yet that has been certified as a patrol uh, a, uh, a patrol approved vehicle uh, just because of the it's it's new and you know battery lights are different. Different departments have different equipment. I mean, we have things that run off 110 volt on our cruiser, off of inverters, which are very draining on batteries. So um, we'll wait and see when the technology catches up with the demand. Thank you very much. I like what the um, the woman who spoke earlier had said. Uh, um, you need to get closer to the microphone. We really can't hear you. Okay, Marcia Hill from Western Terrace. Um, I like what the female speaker said as far as us looking into changing the fleet to EV. Um, is there another department in the town that could do a feasibility study to see if there's some way if we go to move to EV vehicles it's going to increase your rotation from a six to eight year replacement cycle to maybe longer or is it, well, I'm sorry, four years for cruisers because that's something I'd love to see the math on to see if long term, if you're not doing oil changes and things like that, is it worth it to pay more for a longer cruiser cycle and what are the costs of charging those vehicles? It, I'd love to see a feasibility study. Um, <clears throat> well, I've heard lots of things out there about uh, electric vehicles. I spoke with one of the manufacturers That's today, heard, as a matter of fact. But I think the town should maybe do crunch some numbers and mm -hmm. get the facts. Because it, it may be something to consider if it would extend mm -hmm. the four-year replacement cycle and reduce the cost of maintenance and make us a lot happier and yep. make things a lot greener because I'm looking at that and I'm like, that's 100,000 miles just moving around little Northborough, <laughs> spewing everything and into the atmosphere. I, I, I understand that, yeah. Um, I, was a, I was informed today by a uh, manufacturer's rep at one of the police upfitters that they anticipate having a patrol-rated electric, all-electric vehicle in three years. Other than that, that's uh, the standard now is uh, what most people are doing is uh, the hybrid. So. John Vorica, 99 Pleasant. To the chief, will you be sending two, two electric cruises to a call in case one of them dies in the batteries? That's one of the reasons why they're saying about uh, three years for a patrol-rated vehicle, because um, yeah, but don't send they my, will Don't there. send them my, up to my house an ambulance, please. <laughs> <laughs> they fill them up every day, son. They're filled, um, they're filled at the end of every shift. To the, to the administrator, John, has all of the vehicles, they're, they're, all of the next articles are all coming up as vehicles and to the serious side of things. Um, are we rotating <coughs> these vehicles and disposing of them or are we sending them back to the, to the dealerships and getting 
a refund on them, uh, or are we selling them off? Uh, is there any any money coming back for what we have to spend? Because what the economy has happened with the economy is a lot of these vehicles now have gone up about 40 to 50 percent of what what you would usually pay for them. So my question is, are we going to be getting anything back from the sale of the vehicles or purchasing of the vehicles and trading them in? Uh, through the moderator, yes. So all of these uh, capital articles are net of a trade-in. Uh, we years ago used to go through the process of an auction, and to be perfectly honest with you, uh, it wasn't worth the time and the trouble. So we typically uh, take the vehicles and trade them in. In the case of uh, years ago, the, ta the taxi cab companies used to buy our old cruisers, and we'd make some good money. Uh, but uh, but that market is no longer uh, there since everybody's using Uber and Lyft. So it's all your fault. Um, so uh, in terms of the larger pieces of equipment or the trucks, like you're going to be seeing some DPW equipment coming through uh, next, uh, we rotate everything. Even you're going to see the ambulance. Uh, you know, we take things front line, then back line. We use it until it's no longer useful, and then we trade it in. So all of the, pro uh, all of the capital projects that you see before you tonight are net of trade-in. And I, I just wanted to mention one other thing is uh, the town of Northborough is a green community. So we, ha uh, we have a green community status, which means uh, we have made a commitment to reduce our energy costs across the board, both in terms of operations as well as vehicles. As the chief uh, indicated, we actually got a grant through the green communities to buy a hybrid vehicle this year, and he just was unable to get it. So we are moving in that direction. Thank you. I got to get back to my seat before my battery runs out. <laughs> I can assure you that we are looking in the future and we will be all EV at some point. It's not going to be right away, but we will go hybrid. Hi. Over here, please. Lisa Maselli, 13 Maple Street. Can Good you question. get closer, Lisa? I feel like I'm going to become a rock star. Swallow it. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Um, on the hybrid costs, as you said, we're more expensive than the, than the regular gas. Yes. Um, and the appropriations were for the hybrids. What do you do with the balance that um, we've appropriated and then you're purchasing the other vehicles that are supposed to be less money? Would be the DPW. What would you do with the gas? <laughs> What's that? Back to the general fund. Any other questions on Article 11? Hearing none, this is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $165,000 for the use of the police department for the purchase of three new police vehicles and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $165,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. This is a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. Those in opposition, Article 11 passes. <coughs> Thank you. Article 12, fire uh, ambulance replacement. Leslie Rutan. Leslie Rutan, Board of Selectmen. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $400,000 for the use of the fire department for the purchase of one new ambulance and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $400,000 be raised by borrowing 
in accordance with the provisions of Massachusetts General Laws, Chapter 44, Section 7.1, or any other enabling authority, and the Treasurer, with the approval of the Board of Selectmen, be authorized to issue bonds or notes, therefore. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Presentation by Fire Chief Parenti, please. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. As the town administrator had mentioned, this is just part of our regular uh, capital improvement program. Uh, the, this ambulance will be uh, put in front line. The front line ambulance currently has 53,000 miles on it. That'll be put as our second due ambulance, which has right now 79,000 miles on it. And that will go back and replace our third due or our, our uh, mechanical backup, which has just around 80,000 miles on it. Uh, the $400,000 uh, does come from the EMS uh, revolving account, which as the town administrator said is uh, derived from fees that we charge for ambulance transports. I did, oh, I went one ahead, I didn't go two. Okay, as mentioned earlier by the town administrator, uh, the recommendations from the appropriations committee and the financial planning committee were in favor of this article. Are there any questions on Article 12? Hearing no questions, this is what you're voting on. I move the town <coughs> vote to appropriate the sum of $400,000 for the use of the fire department for the purchase of one new ambulance and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $400,000 be raised by borrowing in accordance with the provisions of Massachusetts General Laws, Chapter 44, Section 7.1, or any enabling authority, and the treasurer, with the approval of the Board of Selectmen, be authorized to issue bonds or notes, therefore. This will be a two-thirds vote. Tellers, on your toes. All those in favor, please raise your hands, or, or your cards, or your hands with your cards. Those opposed? I declare that Article 12 has passed by the necessary two-thirds vote. Thank you very much. Article 13, DPW Road Improvements and Maintenance. Julianne Hirsch, Board of Selectmen, Mr. Moderator. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $454,000 for road improvements and maintenance and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $454,000 be transferred from free cash to expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Second. Motion has been made and seconded, and uh, presentation by our DPW director. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. Article 13, this article requests funding for another year of our roadway pavement management program. Our current roadway funding is $800,000, which includes approximately half a million dollars from the state chapter 90 funds, another $300,000 from the operating budget. Approval of this article will provide an additional $454,000, which is needed to fund work, the work needed to improve our current roadway, uh, townwide roadway conditions. Our 2021 pavement management study shows that the past support has allowed the department to maintain the roads 
uh, surface rating, and in 2021 it fell slightly from a 73.5 to a 73.2. Be aware that we balance our roadway maintenance work with that of drainage, culverts, and sidewalks in an effort to keep our transportation and infrastructure sound and functional. Our goal and objective every year is to touch 10% of our roadways, um, and I look forward to uh, answering any questions they may have. Before we have questions, uh, as a reminder that the Appropriations Committee and the Financial Planning Committee uh, supported uh, this article. Now, are there any questions? Any concerns? Lisa Maselli, 13 Maple Street. Um, is there any part of this going to be put aside for sidewalks this year? Uh, yes. Uh, we recently um, completed a grant application to become a complete streets community under Mass DOT. Uh, they provided us with a grant slightly over $36,000. Um, as part of that program, we are uh, preparing an um, uh, implementation plan for sidewalks. And in conjunction with that, we're incorporating sidewalk reconstruction with our roadway reconstructions. If you see on the DPW's webpage, even this fiscal year, FY22, we're proposing reconstruction of some local roads, uh, Stratton Way, Edmonds Hill, um, the Stratton Way neighborhood. Though all those sidewalks will be reconstructed um, uh, at the same time as the roadways. So yes, we will be allocating funds towards sidewalk reconstruction. Over here, please. Yeah, hi, uh, Eric Martin, Weston Terrace. Uh, you, you mentioned sidewalk reconstruction. Is there any uh, plans for uh, adding sidewalks to not exist where sidewalks do not exist at the moment? That's a key component of the Complete Streets program. Um, while our pavement management program includes uh, sidewalks, we've, we recently did uh, uh, two, two assessments, one townwide roadway condition assessment, and also we completed a townwide sidewalk condition assessment. Um, those two identify what we currently have, what their current conditions are, um, and capital plans going forward to improve them. The Complete Streets program is, is slightly different. What that does is it identifies uh, destinations, meaning um, uh, target locations, schools, parks, municipal buildings, uh, commercial uh, districts uh, with, with residential areas and identifies uh, key gaps in sidewalk connectivity um, to improve that connectivity. That program includes uh, competitive grants up to $400,000 to do those improvements. Um, so again, yes, it would identify uh, uh, gaps in our uh, uh, pedestrian connectivity. And, uh, uh, just one more time, what was the name of that second study again? It's, uh, well, it's the Complete Streets Program. Uh, it's, it's, it's funded through MassDOT. Thank you. Welcome, Eric. Any other questions on Article 13? Hearing none, this is what we're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $454,000 for road improvements and maintenance, and to meet said appropriations, the sum of $454,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Oh. Oh, I thought someone said something. Okay. This is a, a majority vote. All those in favor? Please raise your cards. Those in op opposition, Article 13 passes. Article 14, culvert and damage replacement. Julianne Hirsch. 
Mr. Moderator, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $300,000 for the use of the Department of Public Works to fund the repair and replacement of drainage culverts and drainage system components and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $300,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. The town completed a town-wide culvert inventory in 2019, which found approximately 75 culverts, of which several of them are in poor and failing condition. Over the past three years, roadway funds have been diverted from pavement management to culvert replacement due to critical failures we've encountered. This article will fund replacement of failing drainage components and will likely include the culvert located on Lincoln Street adjacent to the elementary school which failed in 2021. Uh, grant funding will be sought for this culvert replacement as it has been in our past ones. Um, and uh, I, I appreciate your consideration. Once again, as a reminder, both appropriations and financial planning were in support of the, this article. Are there any questions on Article 14? Hearing no questions, this is what we're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $300,000 for the use of of the Department of Public Works to fund and repair and, and replacement of drainage culverts and drainage system components. And to meet said appropriation, the sum of $300,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditures in fiscal year 2022. This is a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those in opposition, Article 14 passes. Article 15. DPW one-ton dump truck with plow replacement. <coughs> Kristen Wickstead. Hi, everyone. Kristen Wickstead, Board of Selectmen. Thanks for coming to town meeting. Kristen, can you get closer? Yes, sir. Mr. Moderator, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $130,000 for the use of the Department of Public Works for the purchase of a one-ton dump truck with a plow and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $130,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. If we could hear from our DPW director. I'd be happy to, Mr. Moderator. Uh, this request is to fund replacement of a 2012 one-ton chassis truck. The useful life of these vehicles is between 10 and 12 years. The new vehicle will be a similar chassis as the one being replaced and you see before you. The town has seven of these vehicles, which are on an every other year replacement schedule. This allows us to replace a truck every 14 years, at which point it's at the end of its useful life. These trucks are the workhorses of the department and serve many purposes throughout the year should be known that this article includes repurposing of some of our older vehicles. Um, as a town administrator indicated, we'll take a new vehicle, put it on the front line, and phase um, older vehicles back in the fleet um, until they finally end up at the end and are um, want to be replaced and they get traded in. So I'll be happy to entertain any questions after the moderator. And also a reminder, appropriations and financial planning fully supports this article as well. Are there any questions? 
on Article 15. This is Maselli, 13 Maple Street. Um, what's the percentage of subcontractors that you use for snow plowing or snow removal and parks maintenance and municipal building repairs? For snow plow services, the percentage uh, for contract contractors is approximately 40%. When we engage a, a full snow removal uh, event, it's the uh, highway department as well as the water sewer department. Um, that constitutes 15 uh, persons. We uh, hire generally nine to 11 um, hired contractors, depending on our ability to uh, procure them and secure them. It's been a challenge lately to try to find um, hired contractors. So I'm, I'm gonna estimate about 40%. And park maintenance? The only park maintenance services we contract out are is um, mulch installation and fertilizing. So you don't do any of the general maintenance for any of the any of the parks or anything through we a contract. We do all that. You do all that. Yes. And uh, municipal buildings repairs. Well, that varies based on what the repair is. Right, um, we don't we don't have on staff licensed tradesmen, i.e., master electrician. We don't have one. We don't have a master plumber. We don't have licensed HVAC technicians. Nor do we have roofing specialists. Excuse me. Can we focus on? the dump truck with the plow, please. Yes, that's right, I meant to say that. And so for the 40% that you use for the snow plowing, how can we uh, maybe reduce some of this fleet by using some of these subcontractors where they would be paying for maintenance and everything else? Uh, snow plowing is only a small portion of what these trucks are used for. Are there any questions, any other questions on Article 15? Hearing none, this is what we're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $130,000 for the use of the Department of Public Works for the purchase of one ton dump truck with a plow and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $130,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. This is a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed. Article 15 passes. Article 16, please. DPW, 20-ton <laughs> dump truck. The big dump truck. Mr. Moderator, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $340,000 for the use of the Department of Public Works for the purchase of a 20-ton dump truck with spreader and plow and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $340,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Second. Motion made and seconded from this, our DPW director. Thank you. Uh, this request is to fund the replacement of a 20 ton 2002 dump truck with salt spreader and plow. The useful life of these vehicles is between 15 and 20 years. This vehicle will be approximately 23 years old by the time it's replaced. The town has 10 of these vehicles, uh, which are on an every other year replacement schedule, similar to the prior truck we discussed. It allows them to be removed from service after 20 years in service, which is their end of their useful life. This truck will be used for snow removal operations and to haul materials during the construction season. 
Again, this has been supported by the um, Appropriations Committee and the Financial Planning Committee. Are there any questions on Article 16? Hearing no questions, this is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $340,000 for the use of the Department of Public Works for the purchase of a 20-ton dump truck with spreader and plow, and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $340,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Again, a majority vote. All in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed. Article 16 passes. Article 17, please. DPW loader replacement. Mr. Moderator, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $290,000 for the use of the Department of Public Works to purchase a loader. And to meet said appropriation, the sum of $290,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Mr. Charpentier, please. This request is to fund the replacement of a 2006 front end loader. The town has two loaders in service. The useful life of this type of equipment is approximately 12 to 15 years. Loaders are used to move materials, manage the brush and leaf disposal area, load salt in the wintertime, and pre perform snow removal services during substantial and significant snow events. As part of this article, the existing 2014 front end loader that we have will be refurbished. The loader we're trading in would be approximately 17 years old at time of trade-in. And again, full support from the Appropriations Committee and Financial Planning on this article. Questions, please, right here. Yeah, hi, Tom Dalton, Sentry uh, uh, Drive. Will it be cheaper to hire general contractors and focus monetary efforts elsewhere? The use of the front end loader is sporadic. So for example, we have the front end loader um, operating for one to two hours almost every morning during the spring and fall leaf season and spring cleanup season. Um, I would be hard pressed to find any contractor who's willing to mobilize a, a significant sized piece of equipment to perform that service for us on those short time frames. On the other side, for the snow removal, uh, this piece of equipment is used when we have substantial snow events um, and we need to move a lot of snow very fast and, and remove them from intersections for clear sight lines. Any contractor that is in the snow removals op uh, 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 business and has a piece of equipment like this, it is allocated to a specific community, generally a larger community, um, so they can have it available to them on a full-time basis. My only problem is I'm a walker and I walk during the winter and the sidewalks just aren't getting cleared of the ice and snow. I understand. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions on Article 17? This is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $290,000 for the use of the Department of Public Works to purchase a loader and to meet said appropriations, the sum of $290,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Once again, a majority vote. All in favor, please raise your cards. And those in opposition. Article 17 passes. 
Article 18, backhoe replacement. Scott Rogers. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $195,000 for the use of the Department of Public Works to purchase a backhoe and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $195,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Mr. Charpentier, please. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. This request is to fund replacement of a model year 2005 backhoe. The useful life of this vehicle is 12 to 15 years as it was for the loader. Backhoes are used for drainage and roadway repairs as well as cemetery operations. The extension arm, uh, the reach of the extension arm and versatility of the equipment is necessary for repair and replacement of deep manholes and pipes in the roadways. As part of this article, our second backhoe, a 2015 model, will be refurbished. Again, this article has full support of the Appropriations Committee and the Financial Planning Committee. Any questions on Article 18? Jean Cahill, 1th Air Street. Um, is, there ever a re is there ever an instance in which equipment can be shared among towns when it's not being used daily or at a you know, for a competitive purpose like clearing snow? There are many um, uh, communities that have regional equipment use, generally in the western part of the state where they're much smaller. One town would have the, a grader, another town would have a backhoe. Um, they just don't have the resources to have the equipment. One of the challenges um, in communities of our size is the immediate need and generally our surrounding towns all have the immediate need at the same time. Um, so if there's a catastrophe and we need it, somebody else may be experiencing the same event that, that we are. The um, MEMA has an agreement with MassDOT to provide emergency shared services if need be. Are there any other questions on Article 18? Hearing none, this is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $195,000 for the use of the Department of Public Works to purchase a backhoe and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $195,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Majority vote for this as well. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed. Article 18 passes. Article 19, Downtown Master Plan Study. Leslie Rutan. Leslie Rutan, Board of Selectmen. Uh, Mr. Moderator, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $150,000 for the Master Plan Implementation Committee to conduct a design study of the downtown to help focus ideas and develop a clear vision for the area, and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $150,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Motion has been made and seconded. And presentation by Ashley Davis. Davies, I'm sorry. Ashley Davies, uh, Chair of the Master Plan Implementation Committee. 
The Master Plan Implement Implementation Committee uh, started meeting in September of 2021 um, and took a look at all of the goals of the recently completed Master Plan. Seeing that majority of them centered around the downtown, um, we set about to complete this downtown master plan fairly quickly so we could get going on um, completing work and um, completing the goals that were set out for the downtown in the master plan. The, um, the amount that we're requesting tonight is based upon uh, a request for proposals that the committee prepared and reviewed with VHB, who was the consultant that worked with us on the master plan. So they provided a good number for us to use um, and request tonight. Um, and this plan will include uh, public participation, including um, participation from residents and downtown property owners and business owners. Thank you. And uh, the um, Appropriations Committee and the Financial Planning Committee both support this article. Are there any questions on Article 19? Mr. Franken, you won the race. You get to go first. <laughs> um, Chuck Franken, Howard Street. Uh, will this study incorporate um, the White Cliffs, and now we're look, possibly getting back the new, old, whatever it's called, town hall. Uh, we've got a number of empty buildings around here, that whether the town owes them or not. Um, what is the scope of this downtown area? Um, the Master Plan Implementation Committee is currently working on a preliminary scope, but that will be one of the initial exercises that we will work on with this downtown master plan is determining what is encompassed within the uh, downtown definition. Um, but one of the major goals of the master plan is reuse of um, vacant and owned town buildings, reuse and use. So that will certainly be something that the downtown plan will consider. Uh, my name is Rudiger Falk, uh, 137 East Main Street. Um, it is not clear for what the money is for, honestly to say. So um, I recognize that um, you are uh, hired as a fresh town planner, for example, uh, or we have a town planner at least. Um, and uh, I think there was um, many volunteers and uh, brought together already an almost a proposal of a downtown uh, support and then also the question of the people and the citizen. Um, that's all. I don't know for what the money is for. If you can uh, explain this maybe clearer. Thank you. I can certainly try. My first grader asked the same question today. So <laughs> she said, why, why wouldn't you just do the plan yourself? Um, I think, you know, we'll, we've already done the master plan, so we have those goals, and, and I think this downtown plan will really help focus um, the vision. So taking all those goals based on the downtown, really working through um, what that would look like, um, providing maps and real fine-grained detailed goals, whereas the master plan was more overarching and broad. Um, we'll sort of get down in the details here um, and, and really try to give some concrete uh, steps forward to implementing 
um, the goals for the downtown that came out of the master plan. So I know it's planning and planning and planning, but hopefully this will allow us to really um, put some action into place. Are there any other questions on Article 19? Hearing no questions, this is what we're voting on. To see if the town will vote to appropriate the sum of 360,000, wrong one. Let's do 19, okay? The motion for Article 19 is to move the town, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $150,000 for the Master Plan Implementation Committee to conduct a design study of downtown to help focus ideas and develop a clear vision for the area. And to meet said appropriations, the sum of $150,000 be transferred from free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Once again, a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. Those in opposition, Article, 20, uh, Article 19 passes. I like Article 20 for some reason. <laughs> Article 20, sewer inflow and infiltration mitigation. Mr. Moderator, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $360,000 to perform the second year of inflow and infiltration elimination from the sanitary sewer system and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $360,000 be transferred from sewer enterprise free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. Motion has been made and seconded. Our DPW director will enlighten us. I will certainly try, Mr. Moderator. This request is to continue implementation of our operations and maintenance plan to mitigate inflow and infiltration into the town's sanitary sewer system. Inflow is from stormwater making its way into manhole covers and from illicit connections to our system, such as sump pumps. Infiltration is the seeping of groundwater into the sewer system through loose pipe connections, cracks in manholes, or other small subsurface openings. Mitigating INI greatly reduces the volume of clean water that is sent to the wastewater treatment plant in Marlboro for processing. As required by state mandate, municipalities must perform this work. Every gallon we eliminate is a gallon of sewer capacity that we gain. Thank you. Once again, the uh, Appropriations Committee and the Financial Planning Committee were in full support of this article. Are there any questions on Article 20? I'm Rudy Folk uh, at Tanda 37 East Main Street. Um, my question is, which I had before, if the enterprise um, is a self-funded uh, entity, and it seems not because you request money from the public funds. So if you can understand, uh, clarify your, your appropriation. Uh, I'd be happy to, as read in the motion, the funds requested, $360,000, is a transfer from the Sewer Enterprise Fund, uh, free cash, their fund balance. The fund balance is built through uh, revenue obtained from sewer users only. The Sewer Enterprise Fund and the Water Enterprise Funds are completely independent of each other, as is the Solid Waste and General Fund. So all resources associated with this capital project are paid for only by the sewer fund. Any other questions on Article 20? Hearing none, this is what we're voting on. 
I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $360,000 to perform the second year of inflow and infiltration elimination from the sanitary sewer system and to meet said appropriation, the sum of $360,000 be transferred from sewer enterprise free cash for expenditure in fiscal year 2022. This is also a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those in opposition, Article 20 passes. Thank you. Article 21, Leslie Rutan. Leslie Rutan, Board of Selectmen. Mr. Moderator, I move the town vote to exercise the town's repurchase option under a 1983 conveyance to acquire the land and buildings located at and known as 4 West Main Street, shown as parcel 30, 72 on Northborough Assessor's Map 63 and containing approximately 0.3 acres, to raise and appropriate the sum of $10,000 for this acquisition and to authorize the Board of Selectmen to execute all documents and take all action necessary to accomplish said acquisition. Second. Thank you. Mr. Kader. Uh, thank you, Mr. Moderator. So in 1983, the town sold the former uh, town hall building. This is the, the building when you come out 135 uh, that you hit head on. Um, now, that process went through town meeting, and it was subject to the town reacquiring the parcel in 40 years. It's hard to believe that when you make a 40-year agreement that the time frame actually comes around, but that is, in fact, the case. So the town has the option to uh, take that building back per the original lease agreement. Uh, this article, all this article does is authorize the Board of Selectmen to begin that process. And that happens in the 40th year, as I said. So we're not in that window yet, but we will be uh, as of May. So between May of 2022 and May of 2023, the town would need to perfect its uh, reacquisition, uh, which includes, at least under the uh, original agreement, uh, paying up to $10,000. Now that is based on potentially, uh, it could be less based on deferred maintenance. Uh, that all would need to be worked out. In terms of the reuse of the building, that is not the subject of this article. This article just allows us to reacquire it. And then we have a feasibility study that will begin in May of this year to determine how, what is the best reuse of it. So it could be used as a municipal building, could become our new old town hall, uh, or it could be surplus to support uh, another building project. So that has not been determined. So the only thing this article does at this stage is authorize the Board of Selectmen uh, working with council to, uh, to uh, reacquire this building. Uh, the current assessed value is about $2.2 million. So uh, that's quite a bargain. There would be no downside and no reason not to reacquire the building. Uh, but again, moving forward, what do we do with it once we take it back? Uh, will be the subject of a feasibility study. Thank you. May I hear from the Appropriations Committee on Article 21, please? Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee unanimously, unanimously voted to recommend approval of this article. Thank you. Any questions on Article 21? Over here, please. This is Maselli, 13 Maple Street. Um, the feasibility study that you just spoke of, um, is that different than the one that we did on 2020 for the town offices? 
Uh, this is a feasibility study that was authorized by town meeting uh, just prior to the pandemic. So we did not proceed with that uh, due to the pandemic. It's been delayed. So that's the Article 13 from 2020? Yes. Okay. The second, um, the second um, hmm, I guess, comment that I want to make is in reading the article as it's written, um, it doesn't actually say anything about the less repairs or how it was actually written the first time around in 1983 and 1982. Is that going to make any difference legally? No, that's within the original lease agreements that were approved by town, by town meeting. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Sure. Yes, please. Mike Shaka, 120 Maynard Street. Uh, certainly $10,000 is a great deal. Sounds fantastic. Um, do have some questions though, curiosity. Uh, you know, the town's made some, some purchases, you know, White Cliffs, some other properties, and it, it seems like um, the vision wasn't necessarily fully baked. Um, I know there's going to be a study that's going to be subsequent to the purchase, but I guess a curiosity that I have prior to the vote is with regard to parking on that site. Um, I believe that the tenants, as long as I've been in Northborough for you know, 13 years or so, anyone that's moved in there that's been a struggle uh, with parking, uh, whoever owns that building, assuming that the town buys it, there's going to be a problem with parking. Uh, is there a consideration for eminent domain and taking over some parking for that area so that that building can actually become useful? Well, I would never uh, use town meeting to talk about eminent domain without first talking to the people who own the property, see if they're willing to enter into a reasonable agreement to uh, sell it to the town, if that makes sense at the time. All of that would be part of the feasibility study to look at it. Uh, if you look at the, the map, uh, this has been a, a bit of confusion because if you look at the uh, assessor's map, uh, it looks like there's a, a parking lot extends down through. It is in fact going to be a dispute uh, over where that parking actually extends to. And that's why it'll be part of uh, a title search as well as a survey. So uh, so that will be worked out as part of the uh, feasibility study. And, if, and in fact, if the town decides that there is a municipal use for the building and it does need additional parking, then we would try to work with uh, whoever owns the adjacent property to purchase that uh, through an amicable you know, market uh, process. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. John, did you want to say something? Jeff Amberson. One moment. If I, if I speak wrong, okay. That's a, that's a big responsibility, John. I know that. <laughs> oh, um, first of all, first of all, how many in here, if you would raise your hands, moved to town before, after? I'm sorry, after 1990. After 19 very, very, not even half, okay. One of the reasons I asked that question is because in 1983, when the town hall was sold, or rented, I should say, to Tony Kwan. Tony Kwan came in with this big plan. He was gonna renovate the whole building. What happened next? We had a fire. And the fire totally destroyed the building. So now Tony comes back and he rebuilds the town hall. He turns around and gets all the approvals from everything. But the problem is, is that the Board of Selectmen at that time was not, was in favor of the whole thing, and then everything went haywire. My dad was on that board. And my dad told me afterwards, he says, one of the worst mistakes 
that he ever made to this town, with this town's progress, was to lease that building to, a, to somebody else to renovate and bring it up, which wasn't a bad idea. But what turned out was not a good idea because now we've had, I, I believe it was a $100 uh, uh, lease contract. I'm not positive, but that's the number that sticks in my head. $100 to lease that building and go ahead and do all the things that he wanted to do. The lease was a 40-year lease. That 40 years is going to expire next year. And what happens is we get the opportunity to buy it back. My feelings are that we should buy that building back, not because my dad was on the board of selectmen and I want to bring it back to the town. It's because the town has purchased other properties that have not gone well, and this one here, I think, can. In order to answer the question of parking spaces, we have the town hall, which is the old school building down on Main Street, and the parking down there is no more than what's in the center of town. So therefore, therefore, it's an even swap. Now, we end up with a building that's all been renovated and easy to lease, we need to fill it. The girl that was up here and speaking about doing something down there, here's an opportunity to, for the town to get something for $10,000 and turn around, hire a couple of agents to lease the building and bring back something to the town. If I said anything wrong, please let me know. No, the, the history is, is closely closely accurate. Uh, you're just, I think, getting beyond the article in that all we're making decision tonight is to reacquire the property. Again, what we do with it, whether it be privately leased or used as a municipal purpose, is subject to a, a, a feasibility study and another vote uh, this time next year at town meeting. Okay. That's, that's what I wanted to make mention about the history of yep. what took place back then. Now my batteries are running out. All right. <laughs> I've been waiting for them to run out for years, John. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Amberson, uh, 260 Green Street. Thank you, John. You kind of just uh, gave the Cliff Notes version of what I was going to say. All we're talking about in this article is buying a building for 10 grand, which is worth a hell of a lot more than that. We could buy it this week turn around and sell it next week for, what's the assessed value? About 2.2 million. Well, that's the, uh, that uh, yeah, that's the assessed value, could I be mean, more. That's so. all we're talking about in this. We're not talking about whether we're gonna the, turn it into an apartment building, a playground, just buying a million dollar plus building for 10 grand. My advice is we do it, thank you. <laughs> Hi, um, Marcia Hill again from Weston Terrace. I'm not for or against this purchase either way. I just have a concern because we are going to have this and Whitecliffs. And when I look through the feasibility stuff online about Whitecliffs, it said that it was a potential future home 
of town hall and then I heard somebody else say again, maybe we turn it back into town hall and I'm like, what is up with town hall anyway? Can't we just pick a spot and say this is where it's gonna live and stop throwing it in to like, now there are three options. And then we're gonna vote on tonight, at, or we may have already, it's one of the articles about a feasibility for Main Street and downtown. And I'm like, can't we get, I know it's probably not realistic, but can't we get a bargain on feasibility studies here? Pick one agency that does downtown and all the other buildings. I, I feel like appropriations or whoever's doing the finance is missing an action on all this stuff. I, I just had a comment, not really a question, because I'm not for or against. I'm just concerned. I don't want money wasted where we're doing a feasibility here, feasibility there. And as I gave as an example, where is town hall going to be after all this? So we still haven't decided, but we're throwing it back in the mix. Do we want this building to go back to being town hall? Do we want to put town hall in with white cliffs? Do we want to leave town hall? And it's like, just stop already. Somebody make up yeah. their minds yeah. well, and decide what these properties are going to be and do a master contract for, on feasibility instead of us saying, oh, now we need a feasibility for this, and here's this vote on it. Um, shouldn't this be in part of the downtown feasibility study since we know we need feasibility on it within the next year? That, that's all I had. It okay. Okay, just, just to clarify, so the feasibility study that's going to be conducted it was originally, the scope of it is to look at three things. Do we renovate the existing town hall at 63 Main Street, put money into that building and stay there? Do we move to 4 West Main Street, this building here, when we reacquire it, if it works for us? Or do we build a new town hall? So the feasibility study is for a town hall, and these are three locations that are options for that. That has all been well thought out and well planned and discussed uh, thoroughly. Uh, in terms of, again, tonight, this is, where regardless of how this building gets used, we need to reacquire this. This is a no-brainer to take this building back, and it will be part of the feasibility study. And the feasibility study will determine at the end, what do we do with it? Uh, so this is all coordinated. It all is all part of one uh, feasibility study. I just want to, there's been several comments about Whitecliffs. Whitecliffs is not like any other building project, okay? I've been in this town, I've done, I've, I've, I've been an employee of the town for 19 years, and I've worked for, and I've lived here for 25. Every project that I've ever brought forward to you, uh, be it uh, the library, the senior center, the Lincoln Street, has all been thoroughly planned out, executed, come in on time, on budget, or under budget. Whitecliffs was a, uh, we, uh, the scenario under Whitecliffs was, it was going to be torn down, and the town had to decide whether or not to step in and save it from a cultural standpoint. We were very clear, if you were at town meeting, the discussion about that, was that we didn't have a plan, it wasn't well thought out, because we didn't have time. And so we just had to make an emotional decision whether or not we want to save part of our history and then and work through that. Uh, if it was easy, the developer would have found somebody who wanted it, okay? You don't save historic buildings in the fabric of your community 
oftentimes because it makes good economic sense, you save it because it's part of your car culture and your heritage. And so we did that. No, we didn't have a solid plan for that. That in and of itself is one standalone unique circumstance that has nothing to do with this or any of the other feasibility studies that we've done or are planning to do. These are all critical, they're all needed, and uh, if you want to talk about them, I'd love to meet with you offline and explain all the planning that has gone into place for all these things because it is all well thought out. Are there any other questions on Article 21? Hearing no questions, this is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to exercise the town's repurchase option under a 1983 conveyance to acquire the land and buildings located at and known as 4 West Main Street, shown on as parcel 72 on Northborough Assessor's Map 63 and containing approximately 0.3 acres to raise and appropriate the sum of $10,000 for this acquisition and to authorize the Board of Selectmen to execute all documents and take all action necessary to accomplish said acquisition. <coughs> this is a two-thirds vote. All in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed. I declare that Article 21 passes by the necessary two-third vote. I hear a voice. Okay, yes. Article 22, the Consolidated Personnel Bylaw. Thank you, Scott Mr. Rogers. Moderator. I move the town vote to amend the Consolidated Personnel Bylaw as reflected in the appendix to the warrant entitled Article 22 Consolidated Personnel Bylaw Amendments 2022 Annual Town Meeting and to authorize and approve payment of fiscal year 2023 wage increases pursuant to section 1-64-040H of the Personnel Bylaw subject to and upon the settlement of union contracts for fiscal year 2023. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Presentation by Rebecca Meekins, Assistant Town Administrator. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. My name is Becca Meekins, and I am Northborough's Assistant Town Administrator. I'm here to present to you the contents of Article 22, which are the updates to the Consolidated Personnel Bylaw. The proposed changes are included in the packet at the back, and those changes include all of the um, recommendations for the updated Consolidated Personnel Bylaw for FY 2023. Each year, town meeting approves any changes in classification or compensation included in the town's personnel bylaw, section 1-64, for all positions covered under the bylaw. This past year, using a consultant from, the, from, the UMass, from UMass Boston, the town completed a comprehensive review of its classification and compensation system. The results of that review are contained in your handout as the proposed amendments to the Consolidated Personnel Bylaw. The general compensation scale included in the handout contains updated FY 2022 wages compiled using FY 2022 market data collected by the consultant. 
Increases to the FY2023 wages in the bylaw will be consistent with the formulaic requirement which states that the increase in wages for non-union employees will be the average increase of the town's collective bargaining units for FY2023, which are currently unsettled. The proposed changes in, bo in both classification and compensation for all positions have been unanimously recommended by the personnel board as well as the municipal code and bylaw committee. This updated system will ensure that Northboro remains a competitive and sustainable organization in the years to come. And before I finish, I also just want to thank the personnel, the, personnel, the personnel board for all of their work on this project and for their support. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as was reported, the personnel board and the municipal code and bylaw committees both support this, this article. Are there any questions? on Article 22. Hearing no questions, this is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to amend the consolidated personnel bylaw as reflected in the appendix of, uh, to the warrant entitled Article 22 Consolidated Personnel Bylaw Amendments 2022 Annual Town Meeting and to authorize and approve payment of FY 2023 wage increases pursuant to section 1-64-040H of the personnel bylaw, subject to and upon the settlement of union contracts for fiscal year 2023. This is a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those in op opposition. Article 22 passes. Article 23. Mr. John Campbell. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. This is the shortest motion I've ever read. I move the town vote to pass over this article. <laughs> motion has been made and seconded. Any quick discussion, about, uh, explanation for that? Mr. Moderator and town, if you wouldn't indulge me, I want to uh, first introduce a brief overview of the CPA in Northboro where we've come and where we're going and how it leads up to why we passed over Article 23. And it'll lead us into why we're hopefully gonna pass Article 24. Um, brief review, the CPA is funded by a modest surcharge on your property tax. And earlier tonight, Town Administrator John Kadir gave a red mark to the state for its aid to Northboro. Well, in, in terms of CPA, I'm giving it a green mark. The CPA, uh, Trust fund matches have been going up the last few years. And in fiscal 21, we received a 39% initial match. And then on top of it, another bonus came through for four more percent. And it amounted to about a $285,000 state match of our own revenues. And that's brought us up to over 2.8 million that the town has benefited in state matching since CPA started in Northboro in 2005. This year, we estimate that our forward year revenue will be about 750,000. And as a reminder, by law, we must 
allocate or spend at least 10% of those new revenues on the three core areas, open space, affordable housing, and historic preservation, with the remainder being spent over those areas or as well as on recreation projects. This year we have a total in our reserve accounts, the various savings accounts under the three categories as well as our general unreserved fund, which is our kind of our general savings account, of 784000 and add that to the new revenue, we have over $1.5 million available to spend on projects this year. What you see in the back is a pie chart historically showing where town meeting has approved funds on prior projects either to spend or to allocate into the three core areas. You'll see that pretty high majority is in the green area for open space and recreation, Lots of projects that we've all come to enjoy, and some that will come in the future. Pickleball. <laughs> we spent a lot in historic preservation too, but a big chunk of that is White Cliffs. That's already been mentioned and will get mentioned again shortly. And the third core category, affordable housing, has been a bit underfunded historically. We show 1.8 million that we've spent toward it, but really about one third of that, about 600,000 or so, is in reserves, either in the reserve accounts of CPA or in the Northboro Affordable Housing Corporation's allocations for which they've not yet spent. So it was a great opportunity to engage in a, a new project that was uh, sponsored by the Housing Authority and also the Northboro Affordable Housing Corporation to build eight senior affordable apartments in the Village Drive area where there's already some affordable apartments. Four of those were going to be accessible uh, on the first floor for uh, handicapped residents. Uh, it had uh, the support of the D DCHD in the state for grant funding. The Housing Authority had been given uh, encouragement that their plan uh, with the funding that the town would bring forth plus uh, the funding that they had in their own reserve would be adequate for the project and would qualify for 800,000 in state matching funds. That was going to give us the total of 2.4 million that was required for the project. The Warnock article would have been for 1.3 million. Uh, town ARPA funds would bring it to 1.4 million. And again, the grant plus uh, the, the existing uh, reserves in affordable housing as well as NAHC reserves was going to bring us to the target. After all that got approved uh, coming into the CPC meeting and the CPC voted to bring it forward, that was the one piece of authorization they were told they needed to have the state bring the application forward. Unfortunately, in fairly short order, they wrote back that they no longer considered 2.4 million to be adequate. The number was 3.6 million to build the same facility. Uh, which seems hard to understand. I know there's inflation, but that's quite a bit. So unfortunately, without any other resources to bring to town meeting quickly, we have to pass over this article and hopefully come back with some similar project or other affordable housing projects in the near future. Article 24. Oh, yes, sorry. Need to have a vote to pass over Article 23. All those in favor of passing over Article 23, please raise your cards. And those in opposition, the vote 
supports Passover of Article 23. <coughs> Article 24. Mr. Moderator, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $75,000 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues and place said amount in the Community Preservation Affordable Housing Reserve Fund. Second. So earlier I showed you that we must spend or allocate at least 10% of the new revenue every year into each of the three core areas, affordable housing being one of them. So absent any other project that we could bring forth to the town, uh, we ask for your support for Article 24 uh, to put 75000 additional into the affordable housing reserve. That will bring that reserve account to close to $200,000. Uh, combine that with over 400,000, 470,000 actually in yet unspent previously allocated amounts at town meeting to the Northboro Affordable Housing Corporation, we've got a nice head start on another affordable housing project that hopefully we can bring forth in future years. Uh, so far, we've made excellent use of CPA uh, and the NHC's cooperation to build several great projects in town. The Center Drive, four apartments you see in the upper left picture. Um, the two uh, apartments, I'm sorry, four? No, yeah, four apartments on Main Street created out of the two existing buildings next to the Trinity Church. Um, uh, a a uh, condo on Hitching Post Lane that's become an affordable housing unit. So uh, a lot of great work is being done to bring up the affordable housing stock in Northborough. The need is still severe. Uh, there's a tremendous waiting list and we need to keep at it. Thanks for your support on this. Thank you. May I hear from the Appropriations Committee on Article 24, please? <clears throat> Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee voted unanimously to recommend approval of this article. And may I hear from the Financial Planning Committee, please? <clears throat> Mr. Moderator, the Financial Planning Committee unanimously recommends approval of this article. Thank you. I, there's a question. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Moderator. Fran Backstrand, 76 Cedar Hill Road. John, I just wanted to know, on the article that we just passed over, will that 230548 stay in the general fund, or will it be placed in the affordable housing reserve, since it was, you were looking to earmark it for that? Uh, unfortunately, we did, not, uh, we did not vote to bring that option forward, so that amount will go ultimately into the unreserved account, which is available for any of the four core areas, really, when you include recreation. So it will add to the total reserve account, which I think by next year will be something between 800000 and a million in savings that is not yet allocated to either of the three categories. Just as a follow-up question, don't we have to put a certain percentage in each of those pots, and does this mess with that allocation? This article puts the minimum in the affordable housing pot for this year's revenue. Thank you. Diane Reynolds, Village Drive. Um, affordable housing is really great, and I'm happy to be part of the affordable housing in Northboro. I live at Village Drive, but I just wanted to clarify, the word affordable housing seems to be all-encompassing. Previously, the articles were referring to senior one-bedroom housing. Unless the guidelines have changed, 
What I'm familiar with is that anyone in Massachusetts can fill out an application for any affordable housing within Massachusetts. You do not have to be a Northboro resident to apply for Northboro. And with the new housing that was proposed for eight units, depending on the wait list and who applies and when spaces become available, it's possible that not even a Northboro resident will be in these housing units. So I just wanted to clarify that before we voted on our tax money, assuming we're gonna be really kind to all our seniors, and thank you, you are, um, it's not necessarily guaranteed that Northboro residents are gonna benefit from this new affordable housing um, that was proposed. What you say is true, but you should know that the priorities for selecting from applicants, it starts with emergencies. Yep. This would be someone kicked out of housing essentially living without housing, mm -hmm. um, which is more rare among seniors, I would, I would say. The second category is veterans. Here again, they would not necessarily be Northboro residents. But the third category, the third tier, is Northboro residents. So uh, the chances are good that it would be filled by a Northboro resident. Um, and also keep in mind, the situation might involve a family member or friend of Northboro residents. So, in the big picture, I think it enhances the community no matter what. Well, I'd like to think that it did, but having lived with there and looking at the application, the way it's read, um, going to the housing board and listening to them reviewing applicants, you have to match them up. And it's sometimes the luck of the draw, depending on who's the applicant that's, that's ready to move into an apartment and the apartment that's available. If they meet the criteria, then they may get the apartment. I just feel that just generalizing it as senior housing is not necessarily an accurate um, representation. Affordable housing seems to be more accurate. And thank you for your effort. Thanks for your understanding. Over here, please. Hi, I, uh, Tim Kalin, 42 Davis Street. I, I just have a question on page 18, the way the article's written. It says, to see if town will vote, appropriate the sum of $75,000 or any other sum. So is it $75,000 or any other? That just seems really vague. Like if we could approve $75,000, you'd be like, we're gonna take 83 million. I got a confession for you. I don't know why that's in every article, <laughs> to be totally honest, but it is, um, I think, part of our legal obligation to allow for, for a any motion other to song. be made to modify, but <laughs> I'm not asking for more than 75,000. All right, it just seems odd that it's any other song, that's all. All right, thank you. You're right, it's odd. Uh, can we get uh, an opinion from town council on that? Mr. Moderator, the article presents the proposition to the meeting. It's the motion that's being voted on, and the motion must be and is the specific amount that was stated. Thank you. Yes. Personally, I'd like to think, uh, see things go up an additional 20%. Um, what I can tell you, I don't know if you guys all started your uh, uh, spring cleaning or whatnot in your yards, but I still have uh, plenty of uh, leaves in my backyard. Uh, I find that our maintenance is overwhelmed as is. We only have three for all the properties, so I'm quite concerned. I hope that we're uh, bringing habitat for humanity to uh, help us do additional projects. 
but I really don't see $75,000 as a uh, amount that will do anything because at the forefront, we need more maintenance. We need more service uh, on hand. Uh, you're right, the 75,000 adds to what's already in savings. And uh, as I mentioned, brings our uh, savings specific to affordable housing at over 600,000. Uh, so uh, in there, any project would include the means to maintain it. It's great to save, but if you need money now, we have to spend it. We have to get people in there working. Um, take a look behind building 18 on Century Drive. You'll see there's plenty of landscaping that maintenance should be in there doing. Um, if you look at the uh, buildings, they either need to be washed or repainted. You can't save money if jobs need to be done. Can't disagree with you. Thank you. Are there any other questions on Article 24? Hearing none, this is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $75,000 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues and place that amount in the Community Preservation Affordable Housing Reserve Fund. This is a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those in opposition. Article 24 passes. Article 25. Uh, Brigham Street Burial Ground Beautification. I move the, the town vote to appropriate the sum of $131,679 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues and the sum of $5,821 from the Community Preservation Historic Reserve Fund for a total of $137,500 to the Northborough Department of Public Works and the Northborough Historic District Commission for improvements to the Brigham Street Burial Ground. Second. Oh, sorry. Motion has been made and seconded. <laughs> so in Article 25, um, this is another cemetery beautification project. And um, frankly, I, uh, I think it's great. I, I don't know if anyone's walked through Howard Street Cemetery recently, but having both the new signs and the recently updated uh, display of uh, residents that are there, uh, it's just very interesting history. Um, this body has already voted to approve CPA funding for uh, helping Brigham Street get to that point with a new sign and a, um, a display of uh, the history of it. Um, this article will go toward tremendous cleanup of over 20 dead trees that are in danger of falling and endangering anybody walking there, cleaning up the property as a result, adding fencing to the perimeter, adding a parking area, making this really a, an enhanced uh, area of the town's historic assets. And uh, it, it, for those who don't know, it's the town's oldest cemetery. It's believed that residents are there dating back as far as 1727. Um, and I ask for your approval on this beautification project. Thank you. May I hear from the Appropriations Committee on Article 25? Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee voted unanimously to recommend approval of this article. Thank you. 
And I see that there is a question here. Yes, sir. Russ Thompson, uh, Davis Street. John, thanks. Um, are we paying to pave a parking lot for the people who live across the street? It's not. We're already parked there. <laughs> um, I, no, it's not the intent, and there's okay. no pavement. It's, and there's there's a um, kind of a driveway that goes through that area to, on the west side. Back um, into it. Yeah. Or, is uh, that going to be the, where the parking lot is? Where where did no, you intend no, to put the, the parking the, lot? No, no, I think the fencing is, is intended to go along the front perimeter. Okay. Uh, potentially preventing uh, drivers or, you know, four-wheelers from, from going back over that land. Great. I, I don't think everyone knows that it's a, you know, it's a preserved burial ground. No. That you're not just, just supposed to, you know, play on. Um, so the, the new fencing perimeter, the lower picture in the slide below is just kind of an example of some kind of chain link. Uh, you know, uh, post system that will identify the perimeter, protect it to a degree, and then we're really just talking about directly in front of it along the roadside, some gravel for the occasional car that wants to pull up and, okay, and, you cool. know, and walk in and explore it, not, uh, not to expand the roadway. Um, has the CPC uh, or can the CPC approach the local scout troops about uh, helping out with that preservation project? We would be on board with any of that. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Yes. Uh, Bob Mahalik, uh, Northgate Road. Um, John, is there going to be any effort at maybe um, identifying unmarked graves in that area and perhaps enhancing some of the gravestones that are there, which are very hard to read? Uh, I, I know that a previous study started that process with the, the, the ground, you know, underground survey. Uh, I don't know the status of the data on it, but I have someone who does. He's at the other mic. Norm, can you help on that one? Yeah, I just getting the signal from the moderator that it's my turn. You may if you get closer to the mic. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. Uh, good questions. Um, several years back, we used CPA funding to do something called ground penetration radar, and it can pick up where there are burial sites on that lot. They're on the order of uh, between 40 and 60 burials on that lot. Uh, prior to that, we had someone come in to do uh, gravestone preservation. They clean the stones that are there. I think there's six, six remaining headstones that are there. They clean them, and they repaired them, and they straightened them. This is probably the last project we're going to have with Brigham Street. We've been poking at it for almost 10 years. Every, every other year or so, we had something done to improve it. It's, uh, it really is a, you know, we're trying to recognize our ancestors for the town and make sure the property is respected. To, to add to the question that was asked, um, do you foresee identifying any of the sites that don't have a gravestone, or is that identified on the display sign? It's um, not identified you know. on the display sign, but if you walk the site, probably half of the burials are clearly marked because the burials are covered with stone, just uh, like, uh, not gravel stone, but uh, small rocks and they were, they were there to protect the sites back. So there's probably a good dozen of them. If you walk in the area near where the gravestones are, you can clearly see those. Most of the other ones are not easily identified. And then on that marker, uh, Beth Finch McCarthy, a genealogist in town, was able to identify between 30 or 40 of the people that are potentially buried there. So that, the historical marker has quite a bit of information on it. Thanks for helping. Yes, please. 
Yes, Joe Tribetta, 61 Pleasant Street. I think this is a great project, but I, <clears throat> what I'm asking is, why can't the DPW do this kind of work? Cutting down the trees, they got all the equipment, the town is, you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> they, don't, they don't know how to do it. I've seen, I've seen them cut down the trees, they just do a great job. Why are you summing it out to anybody else? I asked them the exact same question. <laughs> okay, no really. I and mean, uh, <laughs> I think uh, if I could paraphrase, um, the, the DPW does not have enough resources to do it in, in a timely and a fully safe manner. It would take a lot longer uh, and actually cost more when you look at it on a per man hour basis, I think. So it made sense to bring in an experienced contractor with the right equipment at the right time. Um, I think, you know, I, I shared your concern for the cost of it. Uh, fully about half of this cost is the tree removal and, uh, and the site cleanup and, you know, getting it back to a safe area. And the other half being the fencing, site prep and cleanup to, to really make it look like what Norm's vision is. No, I'm sure, I'm sure it's gonna look beautiful when it's done. But the town, the town has the, they, they, have, they have the knowledge and they have the equipment. So I don't know what the time frame is. Why, you know, why can't they do it over, you know, a period of time instead <laughs> of doing it immediately? That's all I'm saying. Uh, the project was propo proposed to some perceived uh, danger and the worse it gets as time goes along. And, and besides, keep in mind, this is not digging into the town's budget in the DPW sense. We're able to use the unique stream of CPA funding to support it. So uh, it was affordable from the standpoint of historic preservation resources. I'm just trying to save money, that's all, you know. I'm with you. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Just a simple question. For every dead tree that they remove, will they be planting a new one? I don't know the answer, and I, I don't think it's a one-to-one. -one. I don't believe there's any plan to add trees back, but in fact to just make the site as beautiful as it can be with what you have. Mac Pichur. I live in the 24 Main Street. Yes. Um, 20 dead trees. You're not going to cut down any living trees, are you? I just want to make sure you're going to cut down any living trees to go, because I've seen some massive tree cuttings. They, they take down dead trees, but they take even more living trees. I just want to make sure that's not going to happen here. I think it's concentrated on those trees identified as needing to come down. Needing to come down, okay. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a danger, but we're not going to take out some whole bunch of other trees, just want to make sure. No, I think it'll be responsibly selective. I, I confess I went and walked it for the first time a few days ago, and it looks like most of the trees are, are, are dead as you walk through, but it's not all of them, but clearly they need to come down and be cleaned up. Okay, it's just, so you don't see it's a drastic, just clear cutting one tree after another. It's, it's specifically for the dead trees. I, I promise you, you'll be proud of the effort. Just so you're aware, sir, our tree contractor is a licensed arborist. We walked the property about six months ago. A lot of the trees you see that are healthy are hemlocks. Those hemlocks are suffering from uh, an invasive fungus on them. So while they look green, they're in a state of uh, near death. So 
Um, we'll identify yet again uh, the healthy trees and those which can remain. But as John indicated, the vast majority of them are either dead or, or sick and going to be spreading their sickness. That, that is correct. Any other questions on Article 25? Hearing none, this is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $131,679 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues and said, and the sum of $5,821 from the Community Preservation Historic Reserve Fund for a total of $137,500 to the Northborough Department of Public Works and the Northborough Historic District Commission for improvements to the Brigham Street burial ground. This is a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. Those opposed, Article 25 passes. Thank you. Article 26. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $5,124 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues to the Northborough Historic District Commission for the purchase and installation of two signs for the Kaiser section of the Northborough Cemetery. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. So this one's a little easier. I was complimenting the nice signage that we have added to our cemeteries. Um, this is an example in the slide of one of the new signs put into the Howard Street, uh, the, you know, called call the ancient area behind the church. The Kaiser section is the newer part of the cemetery, but it still is old enough to qualify for CPA funding. So this article would add signs at the entranceways, one off of Howard and one off of Whitney. May I hear from the Appropriations Committee on Article 26, please? Uh, Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee voted unanimously to recommend approval of this article. Any questions on Article 26? Hearing none, this is what you're voting on. I'm with, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $5,124 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues to the Northborough Historic District Commission for the purchase and installation of two signs for the Kaiser section of the Northborough Cemetery. Also a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed. Article 26 passes. Thank you. Article 27. Mr. Moderator, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $55,000 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues to the Northborough Historical Society for replacement of missing building shutters and renovation of damaged building shutters for the building located at 52 Main Street. Second. So I got a copy of this picture behind me from uh, the Historical Society. This is apparently how the building looked some years ago when it had a steeple, by the way. But there were shutters on all the windows um, that no longer are in place. 
There are many damaged shutters sitting in storage and many just gone. So they endeavored to find a contractor who would rebuild shutters and replace shutters in a historically appropriate fashion and restore the building to its original condition. This is a great asset in town. Uh, this body has voted articles previously to enhance the property, making it handicap accessible, helping fix the organ, painting the outside. 81. And uh, we ask for support for this next phase and <laughs> keeping this great asset in good shape. Thank you. May I hear from the Appropriations Committee on Article 27, please? Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee voted unanimously to recommend approval of this article. Are there any questions or discussion for Article 27? Hearing none, this is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $55,000 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues to Northborough Historical Society for replacement of missing building shutters and renovation of damaged building shutters for the building located at 52 Main Street. Once again, a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed. Article 27 passes. Thank you. Article 28, please. Mr. Moderator, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $35,500 from the Community Preservation Unreserved Fund to the Northborough Recreation Department and Department of Public Works for the initial assessment and site survey for up to five locations for use as a dog park. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Well, I don't own a dog, but it's my understanding creating a dog park has been one of the most asked about items in town, uh, one of the most popular things that's come up before the rec commission. And uh, we've taken a stab at it in prior years and have not been successful on picking the right site for a variety of reasons. So spoiler alert, this is another consultant study, but it's a good one. Um, we're going to uh, be looking close at up to five different locations in Northborough and trying to find which would be the most appropriate site, what are the features that we want in that dog park. There will be uh, a plan to involve citizens in this by the consultants, and that will be detailed, uh, hopefully after this is approved. Um, so, great goal in town, and uh, it supports one of the main goals of the master plan and the open space and rec plan. And uh, you'll find that uh, the CPC as a committee is going to be looking strongly at anything we can do that picks out and contributes to a goal of the master plan that we recently just approved in town. Thank you. May I hear from the Appropriations Committee on Article 28, please? Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee voted unanimously to recommend approval of this article. Thank you. And may I hear from the Financial Planning Committee as well? Mr. Moderator, the Financial Planning Committee unanimously recommends approval of this article. Thank you. Mr. Foraker. Question. Can you tell us what the five locations are? I cannot, because I don't know. <laughs> so you, you're telling us there's five locations, but 
You can't give us an answer. I, I apologize. I don't know the five locations, and the point of the study is to not uh, necessarily narrow the scope. There have been a number of sites identified by the Rec Commission, and they'll be included in the study. Well, there's about uh, 150 people in here. Maybe, maybe we should it. have had that answer. Stick around for next year. We'll, we'll have gonna, the answer for I'm going to suggest a place for you. In your if yard? If you haven't already thought of it. And that's where the old town dump was, between Davis Street and Tomlin Hill Road, on the left-hand side going toward Shrewsbury. Okay? That's, a, that's the old dump. And the old dump has been covered for many years. And I think it would make a heck of a location because there's a big enough area up there for parking and probably a small dog and a large dog park. Just a thought. By your speaking, I think it'll be added to the list. Um, Bob Mahalik, Northgate Road. Um, to address the gentleman's question, we inquired about the old town dump and were informed that it was not capped with a sufficient layer of soil to be suitable for that sort of recreation. There's metal sticking up. Um, it would basically have to be completely excavated and refilled in order to suit that purpose. So just to address that one point. Sounds like some obstacles there, no pun intended. Yes. Yeah, what do you got for 137 East Main Street? Uh, my question is, are, um, uh, do, uh, how much tax revenue comes from dog owners? I assume that um, the dog owners has to pay, and is, uh, how much will it cost eventually? So uh, if, we, um, if the town vote for this, that they know how much uh, is, when they spend already 35 for planning, 1,000 for planning, uh, how much it will be then cost overall, uh, either the dog owners or, in addition, maybe the town. To your part one, I would only speculate a guess, and I won't, at what percentage of taxpayers own a dog. Um, probably pretty good, pretty good number. Um, as far as the projected cost of the dog park, part of the reason to take the time and money for studying the site is to get a better handle on what you'll need for costs, and that in turn lets us go out for grants. So the intent of the, the um, enthusiasts behind the project is to make sure we maximize grant opportunities, hopefully cutting the town's cost in half. Um, so it, it, it won't be at this town meeting. This is just to approve phase one. I appreciate your concern. We, we don't, we don't want to uh, go off and start doing it before we really know how, what it will cost and could we afford it again with uh, CPA money to limit any other impact on taxpayers. Yes, please. Lee Welch, 62 Indian Meadow Drive. Hi, Lee. Um, there's 1,588 dogs in town. Um, for some perspective, you could seat two dogs in this auditorium in every seat to fill the whole place. Um, that's I mean, a lot of people have more than one dog, but it's probably about 8% of households that have dogs in town. I hope that helps. I want to see a cat see? park. <laughs> a lot of dogs are paying taxes here. <laughs> Mike Shaka, 120 Maynard Street. 
Big proponent of dogs, love dogs. The question I have is just looking at some of these numbers, $35,000 for a feasibility study. All of these feasibility studies, to, to, to jump on the coattails of the young lady that spoke earlier, it's mind-boggling. I mean, when I look at these numbers of, you know, $60,000 for 20 trees, 20 trees, $60,000, $55,000 for shutters, $35,000 for a feasibility study. Th these numbers, and everybody just raises their hands. There's no questions. I mean, are these things going out to bid? I mean, it, it, this is our tax money. This is our tax money. It's mind-boggling. I mean, uh, Ross Perot, when he sold Perot Systems to General Motors, he was amazed about the amount of subcommittees and feasibility studies and all of these things to make a decision. He, he made the statement of, in Texas, when we saw a snake, we shot it. When I went to GM, we had a subcommittee to study snakes. Then we had another study to see if the snake is dangerous. Then we had another study. And you, know, you, you can read it, Google the story. It, I just want to bring awareness to the fact that these are our tax dollars, people. This is what we're spending money on. And we have to ask ourselves, is $35,000 really good stewards of our money to be spending on feasibility studies to consultants? $60,000 for 20 trees? Because I think that's what you said was, was half of that went to the 20 trees. 55,000 for shutters? Maybe we use the trees to make the shutters. I don't know. but. <laughs> Just my point. So. <laughs> Don't go away. Hey, sir? Sorry, I forgot your name. You were so enthusiastic. <laughs> what, what I wanted to say was uh, if, if, if anybody has attended or watched a meeting of the Community Preservation Committee, uh, there's been a bunch of times when I have railed against the cost of things and the cost of studies. Not quite as enthusiastic as you just did, but, but I try, and um, I, uh, I feel for you. Now, remember, 43% uh, match this year. So we're getting a 43% return on every buck we put into CPA. Not saying that's a reason to escalate the cost, but it helps, you know, helps soften the blow, right? And, uh, you know, in, in general, the town approved the Community Preservation Act, and I just think it's the most terrific thing that the town has done when you look at all the money that we've, we've brought in. So would we be able to do a lot of these projects under other circumstances? Maybe not. But, you know, a lot of people would love to enjoy a dog park. We had to start somewhere. There's not enough town resources to do it with our own salaried people. Um, so unfortunately, there's not a, you know, a dog park person on staff who's going to manage all the tasks. And it is maddening how many hurdles you've got to cover to approve the land, make sure it's environmentally appropriate, um, you know, and get your act together for figuring out what it's going to cost. Uh, does it, do you recover the investment in the consultant all the time? Maybe not all the time, but that's where this investment is going. So. Um, I wanted to tell you that I feel for you and I agree with you, but I still think it's a good investment. Over here, please. Uh, yeah, so my name is Nick Pila from 107 Maple Street. Uh, I can kind of speak to that a little bit. Um, so the funds are not just for a feasibility study, it's also for uh, project management for designs 
of said uh, dog park. So part of that is to ensure that it meets the standards required for outside funding outside of the town budget, such as the Stanton Foundation, other grants that will help fund it so that the town doesn't have to burden the full cost. The second point I have is that the last, this has been tried, I think, two times in the past by the town over the last 10 years. It's been part of the master plan, very much what the residents have said that they wanted, um, but we have not successfully done it as a town. And it, uh, last time it failed because the site was found to be not feasible. Uh, for various reasons, there's lots of different reasons behind it, but there was no feasibility study done and no program management done. And that is part of the, one of the main reasons it failed last time. And so it is my belief that with uh, the right study coming into it and the right pro uh, project management and the right design, that it'll be a much more seamless process after phase one for phases two through whatever are required. <coughs> That's all. Thank you. Do you want to add yes, please. Yeah, we just agreed tonight to give DPW $600,000 for trucks. I think we can give the dogs 35000 <laughs> <laughs> Any other comments or questions? Hearing none, this is what you're voting on for Article 28. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $35,500 from the Community Preservation Unreserved Fund to the Northboro Recreation Department and Department of Public Works for the initial assessment and site survey for up to five locations for, a dog, for use as a dog park. Once again, this is a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed. So who let the dogs out? Uh, <laughs> Article 28 passes. We have a long time for that joke. Article 29. Uh, we're having fun now. <laughs> Mr. Moderator, move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $28,500 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues to the Northboro Trails Committee and the Department of Public Works for the design of an ADA-compliant accessible trail located at the Northboro Senior Center. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Okay, don't shoot the messenger. Another study for another really good cause. This is, this is a super cool project though. This uh, map behind you is the outline of a trail that basically exists already. And we have tremendous trails in town. I mean, I, I don't know any other town that equals what we've done in our trails committee and their great work. But many of them are, uh, are a hike, you know? So this one, the intent is that it will be accessible by those who can't walk it as easily, walkers, strollers, wheelchairs, not to mention just the average person who wants to walk it. Uh, looks like a beautiful trail surrounding the pond. And this is on the land. Remember, this was the old fishing game that we've uh, reclaimed into a great senior center and surrounding property. Um, this was going to be disc golf, but now it's going to be a great trail. So uh, you can bring a Frisbee if you want, but I think it's better that we concentrate on what the trail will do for you. Um, here again, 
focusing on a master plan goal for more walkability and connectivity in town. Um, this will definitely benefit not just older walkers, uh, but those with any disabilities. Um, and I think a very good cause. Um, once again, the study will give us what we need to know to make the surface ADA compliant and give us the right tools to, uh, uh, to uh, produce the budget from which we are hoping very strongly to get grant money to match our funds as well as using the CPA funds toward it. Great project. Thank you. May I hear from the Financial Planning Committee on Article 29, please? Mr. Moderator, the Financial Planning Committee unanimously recommends approval of this article. Thank you. And may I hear from the Appropriations Committee on Article 29? Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee voted unanimously to recommend approval of this article. Are there any questions, discussion on Article 29? Mike, for sure, again, um, this sounds like a great idea, and I'm, I'm like 95% all excited about it, but I just want to know 5%. Um, how, when you say it's going to be made compliant for the people who, you know, are ADA, exactly, could you be more, more a little specific about what's going to be done on the trail itself? Um, I'm not an expert, but whenever you produce a facility that is deemed um, ADA accessible, you have to meet certain guidelines. So there's surface preparation, uh, the right kind of surface. You need to have um, minimal pitch along the trail. And so that's part of the study. Um, you know, basically like designing a small roadway, in this case, a trailway. But it has to be both safe uh, as well as meeting, you know, uh, guidelines for the ability to get to it, the ability to get off it, and so on. So those things contribute to the cost of the study. but. That's a little bit of what goes into it. Does that help? Okay, yeah, it's just, uh, it's something you can push someone in a wheelchair on. Or you could, basically. yep. You could, that's mm -hmm. okay, good. And, all right, okay, so and you've kept, the, it, just, it just has the feel of a, a nice trail through the woods. You've kept the same time keeping that. I agree. Okay, well, I would just say I think it's a great idea. And uh, you know, I'm gonna think about a lot of these elderly people probably loved hiking at one time in their lives, haven't done it in a few years, and we've given <laughs> the opportunity to North Post, it sounds like a great idea to me. Yes, please. Diane Reynolds, Village Drive. Um, are these trails currently maintained by the DPW and or if they do become ADA accessible, uh, will the DPA also be able to maintain them accordingly? Uh, Scott Charpentier, DPW Director. The trail that's there now is maintained by the Trail Committee. It would continue to be maintained by the Trail Excuse Committee. Me, who's the Trail Committee? But, but repaired by public works. So the Trails Committee maintains a current network, network, network of trails around town. Um, by maintenance, they you know, make sure the, the, the surface roots are taken care of, uh, fallen branches are taken care of. Uh, that would continue on this system, uh, with the exception it would be um, repaired by the town. So the trail, to answer the previous uh, resident's question, the, uh, the route will be paved, 
Uh, one of the requirements of ADA accessibility is that as passing locations, if it's not wide enough for two wheelchairs to pass, it has to have uh, a compliant cross slope of less than 2%, a compliant longi longitudinal slope of less than 5% with a minimum width. It has to have tactile warning strips at each entrance and uh, um, exit to it. There'll also be um, shorter, shorter loops and longer loops. The intent is for um, able-bodied, um, wheeled, wheeled, as well as you know, parents with um, carriages with a few uh, uh, Vista spots for resting. So I'm confused. DPW does presently take care of the trails there? DPW does not. Does not. Does not. Okay. That's if correct. it goes ADA compliance, then DPA probably will have to take care of them? The, pub, the Department of Public Works will repair it. So in the event the asphalt has problems or there is washout or okay. uh, tactile warning strip gets damaged due to some, some vehicle use, um, the Department of Public Works will repair that. But the general maintenance of it, meaning you know, picking up trash or a, a small branch falls across it, um, the Trails Committee would take care of that. We've had instances in the past where large trees fall across trails and it's not a safe operation for the Trails Committee volunteers to, to remove that tree. At that point, the Public Works will come in and assist. I'm sorry, I guess I don't understand. Who is the Trails Committee? Are they town volunteers? Yes. The ones that usually use those trails and walk around with the seniors and that kind of group? They maintain the trails around town. So okay. the little trail markers you see on the trails, um, they maintain those symbols. Um, they maintain the trails to make sure they're clear of vegetation. Okay, I like. walk the streets. I don't walk the trails okay. yet. Okay, okay, thank you. I do streets. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions on Article 29? Hearing none, this is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $28,500 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues to the Northboro Trails Committee and the Department of Public Works for the design of an ADA-compliant accessible trail located at the Northborough Senior Center. This is a majority vote. All in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed. Article 29 passes. Article 30, please. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $55,849 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues, $813 from the Community Preservation Open Space Reserve Fund, and $76,996 from the Community Preservation Unreserved Fund for the total sum of $133,658 to the Northborough Trails Committee and the Northborough Department of Public Works for the preliminary design of pedestrian access over the Assabet River Aqueduct Bridge. Second. The motion has been made and seconded. Okay, hang with me, people. This is the best one. Um, check out that picture behind me. I had never seen this before. That is how the Aqueduct Bridge looked in 1899 when people could walk across it. Of course, it wasn't as much overgrowth, wasn't as much other stuff there, but completely clear and clean. Um, our mission is to get it back to that state. Not much has happened in 100 years, but 30 years ago, believe it or not, there was a feasibility study, and uh, <laughs> that one didn't go very far. 
so we start, you know, but, but really in the last decade, behind the scenes, Trails Committee, Open Space Committee, our town planner, have been working hard to find a way to open this up again to people to walk across it safely. Um, in recent years, you may have noticed that you can legally walk on the aqueduct path now. In the north side of town, you may be walking, dog walking, skiing as it goes up toward Berlin and at the south end of town, starts along Bartlett Street, ultimately goes under Route 20. And I think a lot of you know these areas. Uh, the MWRA is the boss here of the aqueduct and they had to allow actual pedestrian access on those parts of the trail. But the connection in the middle is our beautiful aqueduct bridge. So we've been working hard at this, and this is the first phase, and I, I regret it's another design study, but this is a bigger one. We really have to do more detailed structural analysis of the bridge to determine what we're gonna need to make it safe. There are overhead utilities that have to be moved, and you know that's gonna be expensive. Uh, there is site planning project management and budgeting that has to go on and a lot of permitting again with the MWRA. So again, this phase brings us to a point where we know what it's gonna cost. We know where to go for grant funding that can contribute to the cost of the next phase, hopefully getting to building it and CPA will be there for the, the next phase of that as well. Uh, once again, <clears throat> this is gonna be a key part to meeting some of our master plan goals. If you could walk across this, many people would connect it from one part of town to the other. You can get to the Edmond Hill Woods area more easily on foot. Um, any more activities that you could do to connect yourself between parts of town. So, big project, but um, if you look at the vision of making that aqueduct more than a pretty picture, this is gonna be great. So we need your support. Thank you. May I hear from the Appropriations Committee on Article 30, please? Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee voted unanimously to recommend approval of this article. And may I hear from the Financial Planning Committee, please? Mr. Moderator, the Financial Planning Committee unanimously recommends approval of this article. Thank you. Mr. Foraker, you got your batteries back. I did. I did. <laughs> When I go back, I'm going to have to put the plug back in. <laughs> Question, who owns the aqueduct? The MWRA. I'm sorry. The MWRA. Okay. Massachusetts I just wanted Water you to Resources. repeat that. Why are we doing a feasible study or any kind of a study on something that we don't own? Number one. Number two, it's still in use, if I'm not mistaken. It's not in use. As where's an aqueduct? Where's as an aqueduct, you mean, or as a? Yeah. yeah. No, it's not in use. It's not in use. Then why isn't the MWRA taking care of that project? I, it's not on their budget? No, I think with the due respect, they probably, they, they All the money that we give to the CPA and you're gonna spend it, on something that don't belong to us. That's what I'm getting at. But the that aqueduct yeah. comes from Berlin and heads all the way over, or actually it comes from Clinton, and heads all the way over into Framingham. Mm -hmm. Am I correct? Correct. And that work that they did 
over off of Cedar Hill Road and dug that thing way down, that's all part of the aqueduct. So we don't use this thing. Where is the water coming from to go to Boston? There's an alternate. I'm sorry, I can't now. hear you. There's an there's an alternate source, but you're not voting on how to get your water. Just to be clear, you, you know you make a good point. The, the MWRA is not easy to deal with. It's a state entity. We well, gotta, then let's we start working over. with them. We are working we don't, with them. We don't need to be spending our money, well, which is taken from the taxpayers and put right. into the CPA fund. But, we don't need to be taking our money and putting it into something that we don't own. We need to take our money if we want to walk across it. <laughs> Bottom line. Then we'll walk across it. <laughs> you can't do it Without legally. Spending any money and we'll have somebody dive off into the mud that's in the bottom. Oh, I hope not. Over here, please. Noam Corbin, uh, 35 Whitney Street. I know. I'm certainly in favor of this because of its historical nature. But it is listed on the National uh, Register of Historic Places. Because it's listed on the National Register, there's opportunity for 50% grant funding from the state to support some of this project. So it, it doesn't fit in right now with the initial request, but any, as we go forward with any work, I think we really need to look at what the state can help us fund for supporting this project. Absolutely, thanks. Yes. Ashley Davies, uh, 168 South Street. Um, just really excited for this project, and I do work for the state, and I just wanted to say if, if you want anything done in a really timely manner, um, trying to get MWRA to do this is never going to happen. I mean, this is not in their, uh, this, is, this is not something that they do, and just allowing residents to walk on the aqueduct was a big step for them. So us taking our money and making this happen is really something we're doing to improve our town and with work that we want to have done downtown, this could be a really nice connection um, for walkability from downtown to the aqueduct. So it's a really exciting project and I hope that everyone supports it. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. One last question. Yes. Uh, yeah, Woody Gafolk. Um, I love history and I love this bridge, absolutely. Um, the uh, one question is probably, um, uh, there cannot be put signs on uh, that everybody who walks there is under its own responsibility and whatever happens um, at their fault. Um, that would be one, one part. And the other one, I repeat myself with the question is, is there any idea how much it would cost in total? Let me subtract them 50% off. So is there any idea uh, when we vote for the first part, what, what comes as a second part then? <coughs> Uh, it, it's a valid question. Um, it, it is, uh, you know, w without doubt, the building of the accessibility in the next phase will be more than this phase. But I, I think, again, with the opportunity to get matching grants that aren't our money, um, we're going to keep it manageable. So it's, it's another a time when uh, I, I had a tough time with this one. This is a big number for, you know, for what appears to be <laughs> just the first phase, but there's a lot to this um, to get it right. It's frustrating that it's taken this long, um, but uh, it, it is the right way to go because we can't move it forward if we don't, and it's been a goal in town for many years. So I, I think you got to look to the end result, uh, beautifying that area, not just having it, you know, gather dust. Uh, I think it's a good thing.
Okay, this is what you're voting on for Article 30. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $55,849 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues and the sum of $813 from the Community Preservation Open Space Reserve Fund and the sum of $76,996 from the Community Preservation Unreserved Fund for the total sum of $133,000. $658 to the Northborough Trails Committee and the Department of Public Works for the preliminary design of pedestrian access over the Assabet River Aqueduct Bridge. This is a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed, Article 30 passes. Article 31. Apologize for the typo there. That was Article 30, not 29. Mr. Moderator, I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $185,800 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues to the Northborough Community Preservation Committee for fiscal year 2023 debt service and expenses associated with the acquisition of the property at 167 Main Street. Second. Motion has been made and seconded. Well, Whitecliffs was mentioned earlier tonight, and uh, we're here to talk about it again. Um, this is the fifth bond payment approved by the town at the 2016 town meeting. Um, there is a lot of energy around Whitecliffs and a, a lot of recent questions about how we're going to keep it maintained and what's, what's the next use. And uh, believe me, there is effort underway to do so. Uh, we may have been slowed by other priorities here in town the last couple of years, but uh, new energy is coming to it. We've got some immediate repairs to address. It's not lost on me. Um, this town meeting, we're only asking to approve the bond payment, basically following through on the 2016 commitment that Mr. Kader spoke of earlier. Thank you. May I hear from the Appropriations Committee on Article 31, please? Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee voted unanimously to recommend approval of this article. Thank you. May I hear from the Financial Planning Committee, please? Mr. Moderator, the Financial Planning Committee unanimously recommends approval of this article. Thank you. Any questions, any concerns about Article 31? Hearing none, this is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $185,800 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues to the Northborough Community Preservation Committee for fiscal year 2023 debt service and expenses associated with the acquisition of the property at 167 Main Street. This is a majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed. Article 31 passes. Thank you. Article 32. This is the last one. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $37,500 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues to the Northborough Community Preservation Committee for expenses associated with the implementation of the Community Preservation Act, including but not limited to clerical assistance, office supplies, property surveys, appraisals, attorney's fees, 
other professional services, recording fees, printing, and all other necessary and proper expenses for the fiscal year 2023. Second. Motion made and seconded. Thank you, John. Um, so just a reminder, by law, the CPA legislation allows up to 5% of new revenues to be put aside for operating expenses. We do sometimes use these funds for feasibility studies and related things. And we may <laughs> be doing that again quite soon. Um, so if they're not spent, they go back into the unreserved savings, just so you know. Uh, and that's been the, been the tradition. Um, because it's called an administrative account, if the moderator will indulge me for just a minute, I wanted to personally thank those who have helped us administer CPA most here in Northborough. And the first person is our former town planner, Kathy Jubert, who was right along with us from 2005 until now. Uh, without her guidance, it would have been very, very difficult. She helped us along the way and got us to where we are. I would be remiss not to mention uh, our former conservation agent, Mia McDonald, who uh, advised the Trails Committee as well as the Open Space Committee, and as such, contributed to most of the projects you heard me talk about earlier with the research and the detail. Uh, I wish she was still with us. She works for the state now, but her influence was felt. And again, very much appreciate Mia and all she did for us. And finally, um, our town administrator, our board of selectmen, all of the other volunteers, uh, not volunteers, but all of the other staff in town who uh, has helped us pull off uh, Zoom meetings upon Zoom meetings and figuring out how to get through the last couple of years and helping our committee in, in particular. I am very grateful to all of them. That's it. You're done with me. May I hear from the Appropriations Committee on Article 32, please? Mr. Moderator, the Appropriations Committee, let me see, where are we? Yes, the Appropriations Committee voted unanimously to recommend approval of this article. Thank you. Any comments, any discussion on Article 32? Hearing none, this is what you're voting on. I move the town vote to appropriate the sum of $37,500 from the Community Preservation Fund revenues to Northborough Community Preservation Committee for expenses associated with the implementation of the Community Preservation Act, including but not limited to clerical assistance, office supplies, property surveys, appraisals, attorney's fees, and other professional services, recording fees, printing, and all other necessary and proper expenses for the fiscal year 2023. A majority vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. And those opposed. Article 32 passes. Thanks so much for all your interest and support. Thank you, Mr. Campbell, for your presentations. <laughs> Article 33. Zoning bylaws, section 7-09-040, signs. I just have a quick question for you, Mr. Moderator. Before I begin, 
I can't oh. hear you. Oh, you can't hear me in the microphone. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. I just had a quick question because we're closing in on 10 o'clock. Do you want me to keep going or are we going to take a vote to go past 10? Well, it depends on how long your presentation is. Oh, okay. I've got three. But I can start if you'd like. I move the town vote to amend parts. <laughs> oh, actually, I wanted to say one thing first. <laughs> Good evening, everyone, and thanks for staying to discuss and vote on the zoning bylaws. As a little bit of background, the planning board is the board given authority by Mass General Law 40A, Section 5, to draft, recommend, and present zoning amendments to town meeting. This process starts around August, and the bylaws go through many iterations before we get to this point. There's a collaboration between the board, and we also gain input from staff, town council, and the public. All the bylaws discussed here tonight have been before town council for review. During this process, emails are received from residents and public comments are taken when meeting times allow. What I'm trying to say is that if you want to learn more and give input before town meeting, there is a bylaw process that usually starts by the end of summer, and all the prep work leads to tonight. Um, town meeting. Thanks for being here tonight. And I want to um, start by making a motion. I move to the town vote to amend part seven of the Northboro Town Code, the Northboro Zoning Bylaw, section 709040 signs, by deleting the text shown in strike through and adding the text shown as underlined as set forth in the warrant. A second. Second. I have not heard a second. Was there a second? Second. Thank you. Okay, thank you. After hearing feedback from numerous residents through surveys and public sessions, the planning board wanted to make an attempt to move forward with the number one item mentioned improving the downtown. This is a trend that has been going on for years in many surrounding communities. There are many features to a downtown, the architecture, trees and landscaping, and the signage. As a planning board, we hear a lot about what surrounding towns are doing. For example, Hudson Mass, who just won the 2021 America's Best Main Street. When drafting this bylaw, the downtown bylaws of neighboring towns, such as Hudson, Shrewsbury, and others were reviewed. Many surrounding towns have updated their bylaws to help create a pedestrian-friendly, thriving small business environment. One common theme they all had in their bylaw was to prohibit new internally illuminated signs while promoting externally illuminated signs. If you're wondering what an internally illuminated sign, it's a sign that's illuminated by a light source. Oh, internal, I have a picture up top. It's, um, by a light source internal to the sign. This sign shines outwards out throughout the sign. An externally illuminated sign at the bottom picture uses a light that is external, shielded, and points directly at the sign. Externally illuminated signs are aesthetically softer. They fit in with a pedestrian-friendly neighborhood environment of a downtown. 
versus the internally illuminated signs which shine outwards and are more appropriate in the highway districts such as Route 9. Um, I just wanted to mention a couple facts. North Rose Community Development Plan actually had this recommendation 20 years ago. Any business downtown with an internally illuminated sign today does not have to go out tomorrow and replace their sign. They are what we call grandfathered. The majority of signs in downtown now are currently externally illuminated and they will not be affected. When comparing the prices of a 32 square foot sign, which is the maximum size sign allowed in the downtown, the starting price for both externally illuminated and internally illuminated signs were equal. Northborough has six commercial districts in town and this internally illuminated sign bylaw is only for the downtown district. This bylaw also corrects some typos and clarifies some of the definitions. In summary, the goal of this bylaw is to update the sign bylaw and take the first step in rejuvenating the downtown as a pedestrian friendly district that promotes our small businesses. Thank you. Thank you. May I hear from the uh, Municipal Code and Bylaw Committee on Article 33, please? Mr. Moderator? My name? There you are. Hi. Mitch Cohen, 12 Whitney Street. I chair the Municipal Code and Bylaw Committee. The Municipal Code and Bylaw Committee does not recommend Article 33. <laughs> there was just one clarification that came up after the Municipal Bylaw Committee met. Is um, what I heard was the vote was taken on roof signs and after some clarification they were advised that the roof signs actually are not prohibited by this bylaw which they thought when they first went to vote so i don't know if uh, mr cohen wants to speak to it or my good mr moderator that's that's generally accurate we received a staff memo which we discussed at our meeting when we were reviewing this article um the staff memo uh said clearly that this article would prohibit roof signs. We were concerned about the impact of new prohibitions of roofs of any type of sign, particularly roof signs, on existing and potentially new businesses. So ultimately, we did unanimously vote to not recommend this article. We recognized that some of the staff involved were brand new to the town, that there was a possibility that additional information might be conveyed some additional information was later conveyed. Unfortunately, it was too late for us to have a subsequent meeting. Clearly, the vote to not recommend stands. There might be additional information, perhaps, that the building inspector or planning staff might be able to offer on that. Thank you. And uh, the planning board, I assume I know the answer, but I'm asking <laughs> the question anyway. Yes, the planning board recommended to approve this bylaw. Are there any questions on Article 33? Hello again. <laughs> now you're on the other side. John Campbell, 29 Spruce Hill Drive. Hi, Amy. Hi. Um, I appreciate all the work that has gone into this article and, and the others you may propose. Um, but in general, it's looking at changing the way signs look in town. Uh, earlier tonight, we approved 
funds for the downtown design study. And one of the aspects of downtown that the master plan emphasizes is that we're trying to determine what makes downtown appeal as a sense of place. Signs play a role in that. Uh, we agree and you know, we all know there's signs we like in town and signs we don't. But the, what I'm concerned about is this article may be premature as some of your others are. Uh, if we're about to, well we just voted to spend money on the downtown study, we're going to be looking at all those things that we think would make our downtown area better. What constitutes the boundaries of downtown, uh, what businesses we want to promote, what looks we want to promote, and signs are part of that look. So I personally think it's premature to be proposing these zoning changes until after we've completed the downtown study that's part of the master plan, which the planning board promoted. And you're gonna hear from me again on more than one article tonight with that same thought. So I'll be voting against it for that reason, not that it doesn't have perhaps good ideas and good motives. Thank you. Okay, one thing I just wanted to say is that the planning board is the leadership behind the downtown initiative and the master plan was voted on for funding and like, it was between 2014, 2016 and we're still hearing feedback all the time about starting on the downtown. And this was one thing that we looked at that all the surrounding towns have done and we wanted to take a first step. And just like with um, the housing that was going to come in front of the CBC, housing was actually behind the downtown. Downtown, downtown, downtown was the number one issue, but yet housing was gonna bypass and looking for approval tonight for money. So it, it's, it's along the same thing. Well, with due respect, you just supported my argument a little bit by the fact that you said, you know, people have been asking for things to change in, in signage and how that would look, but yet as a town, as a group, we're looking to do a downtown study and look at all those things that contribute to a better looking downtown. So I just think it's premature to bite off a zoning bylaw that might restrict what the consultants and what our committee, by the way, full disclosure, I'm part of the downtown master plan implementation committee, as are you. So I, I look forward to working on it together. But again, I think it's premature to vote on zoning changes that might affect what we might view as the outcomes of that study. Okay, thanks. Yes, please. Ashley Davies, 168 South Street. I came up just to ask for more clarification on what a roof sign is, but I do want to touch on the point that John just brought up um, before I asked that question. Um, I guess in terms of my involvement with the downtown master plan, there's been a lot of work in various feasibility studies, for instance, what um, the town offices will be and use of various um, buildings downtown and I think that using that as an excuse to hold up a process, I, I don't really like that concept. I think we can move forward with progress that um, meets the master plan goals, which this one does, um, without having the downtown plan hold it up because that may take several years before its completion. So I think, thank you. So I, I think that we can move forward with voting on things without having another project hold it up. And something like this is something that can be voted on 
with a minor change at a future town meeting if a consultant with the downtown master plan um, did decide that you know there should be additional changes to the signed bylaw. So that's just one point I wanted to make. But my question was, what I read the definition of what a roof sign is, but I don't, I still don't understand based on that definition what it is. So if that's a sticking point um, with the bylaw committee, I'd, I, I'm hoping there might be some clarification on that. Okay. Um, actually, what I was trying to state was that the bylaw committee thought that this bylaw was prohibiting roof signs, but what we found out afterwards, well, I already knew that, but they weren't, I wasn't at their meeting, is that roof signs are already prohibited. So this bylaw tonight is not prohibiting the roof signs because they were already pr prohibited before the bylaw committee met. They just, it was just a mix up. Yes, please, over here. Uh, Dario DeMar, 13 Fairway Drive. <clears throat> um, I've done probably in my career about 400 master plans. I'm on the master plan implementation committee here. Um, I'm also on the design review committee. And in almost all of them, the um, internal lit signs have been taken out, not just for aesthetic reasons, there's a lot of dark sky reasons, there's a lot of green reasons, there's a lot of natural reasons not to have them. Um, and I think when we're done with the master plan, we'll probably end up there. But this is no different than saying, we don't want another gas station downtown and we wait 10 years to stop it and six of them show up and then you can't get rid of them for 50 years. So it's, in my experience, certainly Hudson, um, Concord, any part of um, the North End or any decent town has taken these signs out. And it's just something that it will happen um, if, if it's done properly, in my opinion, just from my experience. But it's also something that if we decided with the Master Plan Implementation Committee when it's all said and done that we didn't want, we could always change. But I think it's good to be you know, as proactive to get things done because it's very hard to do things with the long schedules. But this is something, in my experience, I've seen um, almost every single time. So that's it, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Hi, thank you, uh, Fran Backstrand, 76 Cedar Hill Road. And you can imagine that the Master Plan Implementation Committee meetings are very um, exciting because I am also on that implementation committee. But I just have actually just a very specific question because I got very confused with the municipal code and bylaw um, because I'm looking on page 27, line number three, and we were told that underscored means added. And it says, no sign shall be part of or attached to roofs, including such a sign affixed to a lower slope of a gambrel or mansard roof. Marquise was already there. Gasoline canopies were added or awnings. So I'm really confused now by whether this is actually what we're voting on because I know that public hearing came after the, this was published. So I'm not sure if what we're voting on, if there were any changes, substantive changes made after this booklet was printed. No, there weren't. And the, it's the roof signs are, the roof signs that actually go on top of the building, 
the mansard roof and the gambrel roofs are moving to the wall sign and we had discussions during the um, planning board meeting and we discussed this with the zoning enforcement officer and he agreed that this was okay to do. I just want to, maybe I'm just confused. I just, what exactly we were asking for and what was the purpose? I read what it's saying, I just can't put together what this is all about. What, what, what exactly is the purpose we're trying to achieve with this? I, I'm just confused. The main part, <laughs> I tried to describe it, but the main part of the sign by law mm -hmm. is if you look at the picture above here, there's an internally lit sign. And down below, there's an externally lit sign. And the main part of this bylaw is to prohibit the internally lit signs in the downtown and only allow externally lit signs in the downtown. There are other parts of the bylaw that I mentioned where there were clarifications, there were typos, and there were clarifications to a couple definitions. I'm not sure if you want me to go through them. I know the definitions we added were what's the definition for an externally lit sign and what's the definition for an internally lit sign. That's where we started with the planning board. So you're prohibiting the internally lit signs like we see with Dunkin' Donuts up there and you, the top one, and you, you, would you want to have the externally lit ones which we see on the bottom one? Yes. Okay, yep. I see. And so they, you can make a sign, a freestanding sign that's externally lit too. I had one that said Dunkin' Donuts from Westboro but it was confusing because it looked internally lit even though it wasn't. Okay, yeah, so, so by doing this, we're, we're moving away from? The plastic internally lit signs to the externally lit signs. And, but anybody who has a sign right now does not have to change. Okay. This is going yeah. forward. Okay, no, okay, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I like, just wanted to make sure everybody knows. No, I like what you have, just wanted to make sure. Okay, thank you very much, thank you. Okay, thanks. Hi, Fred. <laughs> I would like to explain something to you that you probably have no knowledge of. I have 40 years in the sign business in the town of Northboro yep. and all the surrounding towns. In the 40 years that I've been in the sign business, the building inspectors would always come to me and talk to me about the problems with the signs. I was the only guy in town that could answer the questions. Now, here we are, 40 years later, on my fifth group of planning board members trying to correct the sign bylaws. The last time that we did this, Fred Farnsworth was here in town, Bill Farnsworth, and him and I sat down and came out with a lot of different things and plans. Um, the plans that we came out with were to try to get the town to look uniform. And in doing so, uh, we decided how to, how to go about doing it. We removed a lot of the problems with the new bylaw and first of all, um, this, you're showing other people's towns there. That bottom sign is, I think, a Westboro sign. And 
they have some good bylaws over there too. But the difference of what I'm understanding and what you're trying to do is to create a whole new town. And if you take a look at the work that's been done in this town since the last bylaws were passed, everything is pretty uniform. If you look at all the plazas, North Bro Shopping Plaza, all uniform signs with the exception of one. If you look across the street to the 276 Plaza, all the signs are the same. They've all been done. All of these people, when they come into town with a new business, all those signs can be replaced by one plate in the sign box. They're all LED, they're all uniform, and the only difference is the face. Now you want them, if a new tenant comes in, you're gonna want them to turn around and put a brand new sign up that the landlord has already done. I don't know how you're gonna figure out doing that because now you're gonna destroy the look that the plaza was asked to do 15 years ago. But when you, have, when you go through these things, the thing that you gotta consider is the landlord who there's, uh, I think, four right up at the other end of town that have all uniform signs. They spent thousands of dollars doing those all over to go into the bylaw, and now you're saying you wanna take and unify the downtown section. There's only one building in the center of town that's been there since the town was here. Only one. And what and they don't have a sign on it. What are you what are you trying to uh, um, create? Can I just make one comment? Um, you were talking about the plazas to the east and the west. Downtown business runs from there's um, around 109, 111 Main Street. Those all have externally lit signs down by Dunkin' Donuts, and it goes down the street to Harvey, which is externally lit. Most of those signs are already external. They're not any of the plazas that you're talking about down at Business West. Business West has all the plazas, and I agree. They do look all uniform, and they look nice. And Business East has more of the strip malls, too. But the section I'm talking about doesn't include any of those strip malls. What section are you talking about? Downtown business. Downtown business. How many are there? Well, there's Business East, Business West, I Downtown I just told business. you, there's only one, one building <laughs> in this town that hasn't been changed. And all the other buildings have been rebuilt. We had two big fires in the center of town. The town hall's gone. Across the street, there was Brian's Five and Dime. It's, a, it's almost a strip mall because you've got two businesses here and a liquor store and then used to be the pharmacy is now a, a coffee shop. These, these people aren't gonna, aren't gonna be able to afford this, it, especially at this time when business is low and everything and you're gonna wanna change that? I walked the whole and I counted all the signs and I'm not, what? but they don't, I walked the whole downtown and I counted all the signs, but what a, you're trying to talk about signs that are in a different area than I'm talking about. If I may suggest, 
it sounds like we're drifting away from the main point. You, well, the, the two of you may want to take this offline. I had, I had to bring that up, for Fred, I, because... And I appreciate that. Because the downtown is no longer there. It's gone. It's still there. <laughs> and we're, oh we're working on the revitalization. Thank you. <laughs> Over here, please. Lisa Maselli, 13 Maple Street. I, I too, am on the Design Review Committee. Um, we are trying to create a different look for downtown. We're trying to revitalize the downtown. We're trying to get economic development back into the downtown and not just because of COVID. The signs that we're talking about would be signs that would be used for new businesses coming in. It's got nothing to do with the businesses that exist there now. As much as it's easy to take a plastic plate and put it into a frame, just because it's already framed on a building, we're finding that less and less people buying getting into new businesses downtown are using the same kind of look. Also, a lot of those plastic signs are starting with white years ago and now turning yellow. There's no revitalization even of the signage where people would like to see uh, another look, a cleaner look, and something that gives them a sense of a downtown that we're gonna try to create. Yes, we don't have a downtown yet, that is something that everybody can go down to and enjoy. We're trying to create that. And this is a small step toward that. It's 26 signs that are already downtown, that are already interlit. They're not affected. What this is is for new business coming in, the new look that we're trying to create, and it's not a hardship for anybody. The rest of this is just to redo the, redo the definitions. I think we're playing a lot of time into this and just it's not that big a, a fight. It should be something we all look forward to as we all do with a new hairdo or a new outfit. Thank you. Please. Yeah, Jeff Amberson, 260 Green Street. Yeah, some of this doesn't, to me, doesn't sound like a bad idea. If I look at this, we just voted to spend $150,000 on a downtown uh, master plan study to sit there and come up with you know, a cohesive <laughs> plan not to do it piecemeal, and, which is exactly what we're doing here. You know, if we're gonna spend the money on a study, which you know, what I seem to hear you know, here today is that people are sick of studies, but damn, if we're gonna spend the $150,000, let's see what the study tells us before we jump the gun here, and let's come up with a comprehensive plan, not something that's you know, piecemeal, do a little bit here, a little bit there. Let's wait till we have a plan. That's what we're paying for. Thanks. Okay, the final comments here. Uh, I'll keep it brief. Eric Martin, 32 Western Terrace. Um, I, uh, uh, during the pandemic, uh, my friends and I started a business in, uh, not in Northrow, but in Upton. And Upton has a recent mandate for uh, externally lit signs. And we complied, and it looks great. You know, you're going around, it looks great. Um, I totally understand what you're trying to do. Uh, to the to the comment of uh, adjusting bylaws, there is no dollar value assigned with us for the town changing these bylaws. So if the study comes in and says you should do it this way, we will change it and do it that way. So thank you very much. Thank you. I I mentioned earlier, sir, that that was the last question, okay? Thank you so much. There's been plenty of discussion. This is what we're voting on for Article 33.
I move the town vote to amend part seven of the Northboro Town Code. The Northboro Zoning Bylaw Section 7-09-040 signs by deleting the text shown in strike through and adding the text shown as underlined as set forth in the warrant. This is a two thirds vote. All those in favor, please raise your cards. Those opposed? Tellers, I need your help. I'll call it, just a minute. Are the tellers in place? They're coming down now, Virginia. Are our tellers in place? Tellers are ready. I'm just waiting for a teller to get across the back. All those in favor of Article 33, please raise your cards. Keep them up. Raise them high and keep them up. Do we have the numbers? Yes. yes. Oh, they're reporting them to you, right? Could you report out your numbers, please? I have four votes. Press nine makes it five. Thank you. You say that one more time, please. Four votes plus nine makes it five. 
five votes. Was that eight plus one? Nine total, thank you. Five. And another five? Yes. Thank you. Over there? Okay. Six, thank you. 23, correct? Yes. And right over here? 19. 19. Okay, everyone's been counted. Cards down, please. Those opposed to Article 33, please. Okay, your numbers, please. Six. Six. Yes. Twenty-two. Eight. Eight. One. One. Seven. 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 That's, that's it, right? Nine. That's it. Thank and you. Nine. After count, I declare that uh, Article 33 did not pass by the required two-thirds vote. Just one moment, please. The actual count is 67 yes, 53 no. Okay, thank you. Um, is there a motion to adjourn? Yes. And seconded. Of course, everyone that's here tonight will bring three friends tomorrow. Is that correct? <laughs> All those in favor of adjourn? Announce the time, date, and place before I, the vote. I, before the vote, okay. We will adjourn till tomorrow at 6 p.m. I don't know the uh, the longitude and latitude of this, but we'll be in this, in this auditorium. Now, all those in favor for, of adjournment, please. Those opposed? <laughs> Nobody's opposed. <laughs> <laughs> please.